Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. Population of 303,000 people, a 1 and 11 record, home to Ryan Guys Brewery, and their last playoff series win in 1995, your Cincinnati Bengals. In the home corner, with a population of 384,000 people, a 5 and 7 record, home to Great Lakes. Brewery and one championship in the last 50 years. Your Cleveland Browns. Coming up next, it's the Battle of Ohio. Browns win. Episode 7 of 30 Rack of Sports. It's December 8th, and after a few weeks of no takes in my case, and a week off, we are rearing for some takes on 30 Rack of Sports. I'm Greg, joined on my left by a man who's scored as many points as Ohio State did last time they faced Clemson in the Fiesta Bowl. Zach, Zach, how you doing? That was uh, howdy. Yeah, I know, right? Picking on me from the beginning. Um, it's really good. We're glad you're back from gallivanting in Las Vegas. Keep us on track today. You know what? That's really honestly what I'm here for. But also to help keep us on track, to my right, a man who probably would have had a better shot scoring on a QB draw than Andy Dalton. Josh, sorry about your loss, but still. Thanks, man. Thank we you. back. Hey, thank you for that vote of confidence. I could definitely rush it in, but you know, I wouldn't rush it in out of the shotgun like a dumbass. So, <sighs> I doubt it. Sorry, I'm already getting worked up. <laughs> All, All right. right. Well, there's plenty of time to get worked up. As I said, this is Thirty Rack of Sports. Great. After a week off, we have a massive show coming up, talking Battle of Ohio. Championship week in college football, some rivalries in college basketball, hot stove soccer, hot stove baseball, free agent baseball, college football playoff, and of course a little bit of XFL uniforms. But before all that, to get through Ohio sports, to get through a day being an Ohio sports fan, you usually need a beer about seven. So, uh, Zach, I believe it was your week to pick beer. Uh, I what, did. Are, what are we drinking here? Uh, Rivertown Breweries Roebling. It's a vanilla espresso Imperial Porter. Um, they're out of Middletown, Monroe area. Um, I'm really not a porter guy, but I know we've been hitting the IPAs pretty hard, so decided to mix it up. Uh, big, big Porter guy here. Love your decision. Um, also just love this can. I love the Roblin, uh, yeah, with the Roblin really bridge cool. in there. And that's very nice. Very nice. I uh, love the fact that you got a, about an 8% beer here after these 
past couple weeks of sports in Ohio. Josh said we're he wanted to get loaded. Yeah, so we, I did we my got best. a fully loaded show, so I figured we better bring the heavies out for this. So cheers, cheers, cheers. Glad to have the uh, pack back. I had a great job on that uh, that open, Greg. That was very nice. Did mm-hmm. some voice acting for us there. <laughs> Look, very that's good. what happens when you get the. You talent. should quit your day job and move to Vegas and just ringside, man. There you go. That's what happens when you get the talent back. All right, after a week <laughs> in Vegas, all rested up. Hope, hope you enjoyed your week. ready to go. Oh yeah, great time. You know, got to see some shows. Got to go to the book, see the Browns win. No nefarious activity, or at least don't worry about it. If there was, so <laughs> hey, it stays Happens there. It, right? it yeah. stays there. That's the didn't rule. lose. Yeah. Di- hey, didn't lose my ass as far as money goes. Really, only lost at the blackjack table. So we'll take it. There uh, you go. That's there you a, go. That's the way it goes. That's a that's the way the news goes, as they say. So uh, speaking of news, uh, all right. So starting with the news. Starting with Ohio news. I'm actually going to kick it right back over to you, Josh. Congrats. Uh, this past weekend was the final for the various divisions of the OHSAA football playoffs. The state champions are as yeah. follows, Josh. Uh, so state championship-wise, uh, congratulations to uh, all our high school football teams out there um, this this fall. But we'll run uh, seven divisions here in Ohio, so we'll just run through them real quick. Uh, starting at uh, Division One, Pickering Central out of Columbus, Division Two, LaSalle out of Cincinnati, Troutwood Madison, Division Three champions out of Dayton, Clyde uh, out of Sandusky, Clyde Ooh. coming down from the Dirty Dusky to take uh, Division Four championship, Kirtland for Division Five in Cleveland, uh, Division Six uh, was won by the small little farm town of Anna, just about an hour north of Dayton. And then just east of Anna at Division 7, Maria Stein, Marion Local, uh, they won the Division 7 state championship, and they are now tied with St. Ignatius for the most uh, state championships in Ohio football. What is it, like four Division 7 schools? You have to have about four kids in the class to be in Division 7. So... So those uh, are your Ohio high school football teams. Shout out to all those teams. It looks like, uh, you know, a lot of good football all over the state, you know, some teams winning also uh shout out to uh cincinnati wyoming's evan prater uh mm-hmm. cincinnati recruit for winning ohio mr football first cincinnati mr ohio football uh since 82 wow so it's been a long, That's time a long time since uh since mr football has been won down here congratulations to prater the future bearcat will be awesome Alrighty, so next we're gonna go into some uh nfl uh obviously we were off for a week, so just to get you caught up to this point, uh, coming into this Browns Bengals game, Bengals were coming off their first win of the year, coming in at one and eleven, um, able to get Jeff Lanham off the roof and back with his family. Good for him, man. He was up on that roof for fifty-seven days. Yikes! That's. I mean, it was it was a nice little pad. Like it was a nice tent, had like big TVs. Do you and everything. think he wanted to go back to his family though, or do you think he's? Why like, do you think Damn, he went up now there? I have to. Go back. <laughs> yeah. Why, why do you think he went up there in the first place? Um, also, on the other side, uh, Browns jump out to a ten nothing lead against the Steelers. Uh, end up losing that game by ten, so that brought their playoff chances down to about five percent. So. Coming into this week, uh, Browns needed to probably win out and then needed some losing from, uh, needed Tennessee to go one and three or worse, Pittsburgh to go two and two or worse, and then needed uh, the Colts and the Raiders to at least lose another game. So uh, 
that's how it was going into this game. And Browns took care of business in the first part, uh, beating the Bengals 27-19. Baker Mayfield, not a great day, 11 for 24, 102, or 192 yards, two interceptions, did have a rush touchdown. Uh, Chubb, 15 rushes for 106 yards. On the other side, Dalton, 22 for 38 with 262 yards at a pick. Mixon had almost 150 yards on 23 rushes and a touchdown. Josh, first off, ha, 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 ha. Yeah, yeah, get it in. Go on. Second off, three straight wins of the Battle of Ohio for yeah, the Browns. Wow. since first, first time they've done that since 2002. So uh, we were watching the game together. Um, this might shock some of you, but I was a little bit animated during the game. He was uh, extremely. Ridiculous. Uh, thoughts, thoughts on the game. Certainly some uh, interesting play calling, some interesting reviews. A couple yes. of huh. an early uh, catch by David Njoku getting turned into an interception for Nick Vigil. And then late there was a review on a pick. Uh, would have been Baker's third pick of the day with about... Uh, six minutes to go, ended up being called pass interference. Would have set the Bengals up in the red zone. Yeah, would have set the Bengals up down, what, eight? Down eight After in the red zone. After missing a fourth down, um, what, fourth and goal from the three or four yeah. where Dalton tried to run, as we alluded to. Goodness. So, did not work out, and then later there was a screen pass that Zach Taylor challenged, trying to get maybe a man downfield or an early blocking penalty but could not get any of those so i guess i guess brown's that's... able to hold on 27 to 19 um i guess the one big question and we can get into some more stats that are interesting here in a second but are you sad by this loss i mean joe burrow looked really good yeah i mean, I mean i'm just looking to the future now um and i'm looking at the little just things now this. oh no but, oh, okay yeah <laughs> This was the final straw. Gone, gone. Yeah, this this is it. How about it? Um, no, I think I think where I'll start here though is with uh, head coach Zach Taylor um, and Greg. You had mentioned the the challenge at the end of the game. We saw one of the rarities where there was a review that was overturned uh, for pass interference. We saw that in the game. Yeah, which has been something that wasn't really no. anything that happened early in the year, but it seems like the goalposts have kind of changed in the last yeah, you know, couple still, of weeks. Still did think that you're going to get two overturned pass interference calls in one game, I think is, is a little greedy there. A little naive. With, with only your last time out in a one-possession game yeah. within five the last five minutes, how you throw that there, I, I, I don't inexperience. know. Inexperience? Yeah, I think you're seeing a lot of inexperience with yeah. Zach Taylor. I think and that's the hardest thing with a young coach. I think you, Freddie Kitchen's an example, too. What it, game man, I mean, game management, just managing the game, not calling plays, not doing things like that. I'm sure something he'll learn from. Well, probably look back on that. Well, and, be, well, and, I, and I think, and I've, I've talked about this before with the third downs and the decision-making there, like how there seems to not be a set-to-set plan on these drives from Zach Taylor. Uh, When you look at their third down efficiency, it's just been awful this year. Again, today, um, on Sunday against the Browns, was awful. Uh, Three for 12 on third down. One for two on fourth down. They got the one fourth down. Yeah, and uh, the one thing, two of the stats I found interesting, Bengals in the red zone, uh, one for five scoring touchdowns in the red zone. One touchdown, three field goals, and then a turnover on down. Cleveland was two for three. Coming into this game, interesting stat considering you have two rookie head coaches. Browns, 
as I, I think we've mentioned a couple of times, most penalized team in football. Oh my gosh, the penalties today. Bengals, least penalized team in football, which is interesting coming out of a first-year head coach, but that that's at least some discipline, so that's maybe something to it's look forward to in the future. a change for Cincinnati. Um, but Browns, only six penalties for 30 yards. Bengals did only have eight penalties, but uh, almost 100 yards in penalties, which is, I mean, amazing to see considering you look at the penalty yards, you know, there's a big gap the other way, so... Very interesting to see kind of the, the script well, being flipped. And I think the penalties right there is where the Browns, you know, make up for their mistakes in this. When you look at uh, yardage, I mean, Cincinnati outscored the Browns in yardage by over 100, had about 10 more minutes of time of possession in a one-score game. When you look at those two stats alone, you got to think that you have the edge there, but you give that back in your 100 mm-hmm. yards worth of penalties. Right. Yeah. And, and from the Browns' side, um, you know, Baker didn't have a good game. Uh, Landry did have 76 yards. Beckham again, under 40 yards, only two receptions. Um, they only ran the ball three times to- or four times in the first half with their running backs, which is ridiculous. <laughs> Finally got back to that in the second half, but this offense has been just inconsistent. They don't seem to know what they're doing. They they throw the ball every time, or they run the ball. There's no mixing anything in there. And, you know, Beckham being quiet again, there was a report that said that he has a sports hernia injury that he's been dealing with most of the year that he might require surgery on. Um, you know, that might be something that's kept him quiet. But he wants now out. you start to see all of the talk he wants that he might out. Have. I think he wants to be with his friend. I yeah, think he wants I, to be on Champions I was going to ask you, Greg. We're yeah. sitting here talking about the Bengals coaching decisions <laughs> and everything. But, like, how confident are you moving forward between Freddie Kitchens and – yeah, like you said, the very, very – I don't know how you explain that low use of your running backs with the running backs you have in the first half. Like, with with that, those kind of decisions, with OBJ and that drama, you know, how confident are you that Kitchens has this team moving forward? <laughs> Look, I wanted to fire Kitchens before this game at <laughs> halftime. An eight-point win over the Bengals doesn't really change. He's – Way in over his head as a as a head coach. Maybe he learns, but there's the shirt controversy. There's everything else. They've they might be out of the playoffs because of losses to Duck Hodges and uh, I think they what, are Brandon out. Allen. Yeah. So that well, I mean, probably will be out just because of those two well, losses. That's right. what I'm trying to say. But um, you know, I think he's just in over his head, and I think. You know, uh, I heard someone talking about, you know, NFL coaches go through kind of, uh, you know, a revolving door where it's, oh, you want the smart new young guy, and then you want the coaches that have done it before. I think if the Browns could have a good offensive coordinator, if they would have just kept Freddie as offensive coordinator, it might have been better, but have a real head coach that knows how to manage a game, whether it's a Ron Rivera or a Mike McCarthy or something like that, I think he's in over his head, and maybe it grows next year, but right now, there have been controversy and garbage at every turn. They're the most penalized team. They don't know how to get out of their own way half the time. And so far, a playoff, a team that should be a playoff team is 6-7 and seven and probably not going to be in the playoffs because of some bad losses. And some of it that's on, I mean, some of it's that's on not being prepared, some of it that's on the players, some of it about not being coached well. But there have just been time after time where there's just been 
some coaching issues and at some point you get fed up and you might want to make a change. You definitely have to be fed up with the coaching staff when you look at when you look at the talent on like that's what drives me insane is that the talent that you've compiled onto that roster like there's some depth issues be, and things. There are though. some depth yeah. issues. Yeah, offensive line is. Yeah, and that's the awful. thing. Maybe build up the offensive line a little bit. Obviously, having but uh, Greg Robinson. I feel like every time the camera shifts to Freddie Kitchens, though, you just see he, he just, just always looks, looks like he doesn't know what he looks like. Brady Hoke when he was at Michigan, they had no idea what's going on. Yeah, you can see at him after every call, he just looks pissed off. Like he just looks like a guy that's just trying to figure out some reason why it's like right. someone else's fault or they're getting shafted, and it's just like. At some point, you have to set up a – I think culture sometimes gets overused, but when you have this this much crap coming out about your team every single week, whether it's the shirt, the Garrett thing, you know, OBJ possibly wanting out, the watch, the cleats, the visor, this and that and the other thing, uh, the whitehead thing, there's a real culture issue, and it starts at the top. So they're going to need to figure it out or – they're just going to be one of these mediocre teams again for the next couple of years. And I feel like this not really knowing what's going on. I mean, Baker might have been hurt because of his hand, but yeah. he's had times. I mean, he's looked better the last couple of weeks up until this game, you know, after throwing a bunch of picks early. But he did throw two and could have been three if it didn't get overturned. So they need someone that can help Baker grow and can keep this team in the right mindset because I feel like they're really close, but they just can't get out of their own way. Mike McCarthy's a perfect hire. He's looking for a job. Yeah, I need a vanilla guy like That's that. True. I thought, vanilla. I thought that was going to happen on the offseason. Yeah, I did, did too. I was sure. John Dorsey, all that stuff. Yeah, so. that was weird. Well, um, shall we move on to championship week uh, yeah, 10? Let's, let's, let's move on to championship week. Uh, what happened, Big Greg? weekend for, for what Ohio happened? State. So, if any, I'm sure most of you watched the game last night. Uh, Wisconsin up 21 to seven at halftime, got outscored 27 to nothing by Ohio State. Ohio State wins 34 to 21. Justin Fields, uh, about 300 yards passing, three touchdowns, 19 for 31. Dobbins, 33 rushes, 172 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, Olave had almost 100 yards rushing. Receiving. Or, I'm sorry, receiving. And then uh, Wisconsin, Taylor had 150 yards, but mm. most of that in the first half. And it just seemed like a flip switched for Ohio State in that second half. And Wisconsin could not do anything, and Ohio State was just rolling down the field. Wisconsin threw the kitchen sink at them in the first half. I mean, that's what it was. Wisconsin, this, this, they're playing for the second time. Wisconsin made all the adjustments. They brought everything out, some trickery, some motion. Um Tell you what, that uh, what's Wisconsin uh, Coke? Jack Cone. Jack Cone. 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 That's right. That kid's gonna be good. He's gonna be a pain in the ass yeah, for the next three for years. Seventeen for thirty-three, uh, two hundred thirty-two yards. Right. Yeah. I mean, he just he can move. He can actually throw. Um, no, yeah, but they, you know, Jonathan Taylor, they got him established early. Uh, there are different times where, yeah, they looked. I say didn't look like they were really ready for what was thrown at him, but. Um, Went to the locker room, you know, Ryan Day, right before the half was calm, said we'll make adjustments, and they do what they do. They went and made adjustments, um, mostly on the defensive side. I think they finally got away from that zone. Last couple weeks they've been yeah. zone heavy, and I don't know why, because they, they and don't. And they've gotten picked apart by Cone and, and Shea Patterson when they've been in the zone. And they don't, they were going to mix more zone in this year. I was all for it, because going straight man doesn't work, but they, 
these guys they have are not zone corners. And no. they were just sitting back in zone, getting picked apart. And, you know, so they got back to more of a press coverage, um, which allowed then the rush to get there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, excited. I, I don't think everybody's freaking out. I think it was a great win. Yeah, I think one of the things that I, we, we, were, we were talking about before the, the show is it's very tough to beat the team twice. And Wisconsin knew what they had to kind of fix. Right. And Ohio State just had to react and good on them for reacting well. But it seems like the one thing with these Ohio State-Wisconsin games is, you know, it was a 10-point game in the mm-hmm. last game. It was, you know, oh, uh, Wisconsin was up 14 in this game. So they've been able to put halves together against Ohio State. But I think at the end, just it's being able to down. make the adjustments and, uh, you know, being able to, yeah, wear them down and just take advantage in the second half has really been to the uh, detriment of Wisconsin. So Ohio State finishes the year 13-0. and 0. And I think the first team to play a nine-game conference schedule and go undefeated with the title. Joel Klatstad, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, so uh, we'll get to this later, but uh, number two seed in the college football playoffs, so they, <laughs> they will play Clemson in the Fiesta Bowl. Uh, I'm sure we'll get to predictions and stuff on that later, but uh, it's going to be a fun one. I mean, that's the best game. Yeah, that'll definitely be the better game mm-hmm. of the two. I don't think Oklahoma's got a shot in hell. Clemson opened a uh, minus two. Minus two. Well, switching gears from uh, Indianapolis to Memphis, the American Athletic Conference Championship, Memphis beating Cincinnati for the second time in eight days, 29-24. to 24. Uh, Desmond Ritter did get the start for Cincinnati this time around, 16 for 36, 233 yards, one interception, did have 113 yards rushing and a touchdown, but lost a fumble after a big rush. Uh, Warren, about 100 yards rushing. Um, Cincinnati was up 14 to 10 at half and they turned it over on downs to end the game. Uh, so that, that makes it so Memphis gets to go to the cotton bowl. So really, honestly, I mean, great game all around, very back and forth. I thought Cincinnati played really well, but just a few too many mistakes, whether it's the fumble, some of those fourth down penalties, letting them, letting them extend plays, five drop passes. passes, yeah. Yeah. So... I mean, I guess they'll go to the Birmingham Bowl to play Boston College, which isn't really... <laughs> uh, who wants to go to, again, who wants to go to Birmingham yeah, ever? <laughs> not much of a consolation prize, but I guess really looking back on this season, I mean, Josh, what are your thoughts on Cincinnati and, and really what happened this year? Uh, I think I think we had a good season that right about at the midway point really got away from the staff, I think. Um, definitely didn't handle the Desmond Ritter injury very well. Um, and then I think in those three weeks where you kind of fumbled how to handle that, mm-hmm. you lost a lot of synchronization, a lot of practice with the offense. Like things weren't normal for so long that then once you got to the end of November in those big games, you were playing catch up from all the progress and the momentum you lost in that middle part there. Yeah, you were um, trying to get Ben Bryant up to snuff and then try to switch it back to Ritter at the last second, and you could see a lot of the the discombobulation right. there the last few weeks. And you you hear you hear people talk about you know timing with the receivers and everything, and that's very real. I think the Bearcats lost a little bit of that when you had everybody coming in and out there. Uh, I thought they played well uh, this. Saturday, I thought they played much better the second time around. 
I thought they played great. I thought they, they lost that game. Yeah, yeah. Personally, they yeah. had two, I mean, the Ritter run with the fumble, which would have put them within the red zone. Yeah, yeah, I think um, it was about the 15-yard 15 line. And then they had Ritter had a couple of nice deep balls, including one that was, I mean, he yeah, had it should three have been a, steps, like yeah. an 80-yard touchdown. He had three steps on the guy. I was right in his bread basket. I mean, what hit off the helmet, but um, some misplay. I mean, that's probably 14 points right there. Yeah, I mean that uh, the eleven penalties, penalties the penalties. There were I bad times too. If, wasn't if there was one big takeaway I had from this year, that was a point at the beginning in the preseason, in the off season, a point from last year is the penalties are insane, and they're the false start penalties. They're their line of scrimmage Awful. penalties. Awful. Uh, I mean, what the right tackle, uh, Mertz. Yeah, yeah. Mets. Uh, Mets. Graham Metz had yeah three false starts, I believe. And it's always like in a. Second key, second right. down, third down. You're like, you can't have that. Now we're in third and long. So yeah. that's that's my take on the season. Is you had like a good, you have a great team. I think a great team, and I think they'll be great, if not better, next year. But right. but there were just so many like little situational things at such terrible times <laughs> that happened this year. Well, and I'll say going into this game, I feel like you you had every opportunity you faced a Memphis team that you played eight days ago, so you had a chance mm-hmm. to make the adjustments. Uh, you had your starting quarterback back and your leader, so that was something they had to adjust to. They were able to adjust to Memphis's quarterback, Brady White. They kept him to less than 50% completions, forced a lot of three and outs, but just were not able to take advantage of all of that. Um, you know, Memphis losing their coach the next day, so there was some yeah. uncertainty in the locker room. The next day he was uh, announced as the coach of uh, – Florida State, so, I mean, you had the lead late, you had everything, and then, you know, you end up giving up a, a touchdown with a minute 14 left to go down by five, and, you you know, if you could have kept them to a field goal there, they got into field goal range, but, you know, ended up needing a touchdown and, and just couldn't get it done. So, I mean, every opportunity for the Bearcats, you know, once again, a, a 10-3 and three season is, is nothing to snuff at, especially where, you know, this program was, you know, before Fickle and Fickle's first year, but well, you feel like there were so many opportunities. You know, they let the Ohio State game get away from them, which I feel like Ohio State's a great team, but it was still, you know, losing 42 yeah. to nothing was something that got held against them. Some close wins when Ritter was hurt, and then what felt like two very winnable games against Memphis, you drop both of them, and, you know, you go from playing, I believe Memphis is playing Penn State in the Cotton Bowl. So you go from playing Penn State in a New Year's Six Bowl, in a big-time bowl, to playing, you know, a January 2nd game against Boston College, Boston College in Birmingham. Ugh. So when people are already going back to school, bowl season's basically over anyway. It's just kind of a throw-in, and it's just kind of like... And it's I in will, Birmingham. I will say, like, like they, yeah, they had a great season. Like, I don't think it's anything to whiff at or hate. Like, you got players getting on Twitter and apologizing... Well, Mets apologized for his three false starts. Oh, I'll I accept mean. that apology, but don't <laughs> don't be getting on and apologizing yeah, Brian, that you couldn't Brian bring Wright, him home. Who who was playing unbelievable? Oh, right. I mean, Wright's that defense a- was playing so great, and just the offense couldn't take advantage of it. I mean, they forced something like uh, I think it was like uh, more than four punts in the first half, which was like the most times that Memphis had punted in the first half. I mean, they were averaging forty plus points. You held them to 29 and 34, so... I mean, yeah, there there are guys like Wright who have been... had a phenomenal season. It's his senior season, so, like, I wouldn't apologize to them because now they have to go finish off their career career at the Birmingham Bowl against a 6-6 six and six Boston College. I, I do... I'm very disappointed in that. 
Right. Um, I'm interested to know what the digs are in Birmingham. Like, do the teams get to stay like a Motel Six, or are they like a Holiday Inn Express? I'm the sure. Birmingham. I'm sure they have the, the Birmingham experience. Man. I'm sure they have the uh, you know the like 1860s Birmingham Inn, like the one yeah. real like crown jewel the of Birmingham. Crown jewel yeah. of Birmingham. But uh, uh, yeah, just to kind of close that out. I mean, you know, uh, impressive season for Cincinnati considering their over under coming in with six and a half. Uh, yes. You know, had an opportunity to win a conference championship, and uh, you know, just a, a few bounces away from having you know a, a Cotton Bowl West season. Well, moving over to the last conference championship game that featured an Ohio team, Maction. You know, we're big Mac guys. The Mac Championship in Detroit. Detroit. Uh, Miami of Ohio winning their first MAC title since 2010, taking down the Central Michigan Chippewas, Chippewas. 26 to 21. Uh, Gabbert, Blaine Gabbert's brother, had uh, 14 completions on 27 attempts, 196 yards and a touchdown. Bester had 66 yards on 20 rushes and a touchdown. Uh, interesting part of this game was uh, it was kind of back and forth. Uh, Miami goes up by uh, 23 to 14. Well, Central Michigan scores with a minute 24 left to make it 23-21. Tried to do an onside kick, one of those fake to the right, go back to the left, and they actually had their guy catch it and start running with it. Well, the problem was he went at the initial kick, not the fake kick to go back oh, the other way. Man, so man. he was about three yards off sides, which allowed Miami of Ohio to get the ball back, run some clock, kick a field goal, and then effectively end the game from there so uh congrats to miami of ohio and uh you know always good to see some uh some action representing from the state of ohio red hawks are champs didn't see that didn't see that one coming i mean we nah, did preseason ou yeah we had that three-way tie in the middle and i think yeah. we all said it would be like oh you were ball state none of us had faith in the red hawks but never never they get it done up in oxford well congrats to them yeah and it looks like they are going to the Lending Tree Bowl. On, the Lending uh, Tree. Is that like the Giving Tree? <laughs> Where is that located? Um, Huntsville, uh, Alabama? Uh, it is in Mobile, Alabama. Oh, so And they cool. will be playing. At least that's on the water, though. I feel like that's way better They than will be Birmingham. playing the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Oh, man. Ooh, home game so, for the, the Cajun, almost. Almost. So, uh. Something to look forward to when you're, you know, enjoying the very end of bowl season. So uh, that's kind of our wrap on on Champ Week. Uh, got to see, just type a few loose ends, which I'm sure we'll get into in national. Got to see Ohio boy Joe Burrow get the yep. win. But uh, overall, we'll circle back around. Ohio two and one in uh, conference champions. So good weekend for Ohio uh, side of Cincinnati. So moving on to. Got some hacky, a little bit, a little bit of puck. We got some. I'll hockey. take my five minute some break while you guys. A little, little bit, a little bit of puck. <laughs> so uh, this was uh, what we referred to as a Jackets reunion week. Um, Blue Jackets lost a lot of players in free agency. Uh, most notably, Artemi Panarin, uh, forward, and goalie Sergei Bobrovsky. Well, they had to face both those this week, losing to both of them, losing to the Rangers with Panarin. 3-2 to two on Thursday at home, and then going to Florida to face uh, Sergei Bobrovsky and the Florida Panthers and losing 4-1. to one. Uh, Unfortunately, drops the Jackets to 11-14-4 uh, with 26 points. 
Rough. Uh, nine points out of the wild card in the second worst record in division in the in the division, and uh, losing both of those guys, it, it definitely shows that uh, this team is certainly in a rebuild at this point after losing what they did in free agency and. They went for it last year. And such such a brutal week too. Uh, the the New York Rangers won against Panarin. That one's that one's the brutal one to take. Panarin was the one to score the winning goal, and then the Jackets just played so well on that game uh, against the Rangers. Outshot the Rangers forty seven to nineteen, and then sh- outshot them uh, eighteen to two in the third period. Eighteen to two in the third period, they outshot the Rangers. Uh, generated eighty four shot attempts to thirty nine. That's uh, owned a 15 to four edge and high danger scoring chances, uh, and that that and then Panarin, your free agent that you lost, nets the winning goal against you. Yeah, I mean, and that's just a brutal night. And it's just one of those things where you you would have loved to see some revenge because uh, you know Panarin. There was a lot of talks that he wanted to get out of Columbus, you know, as soon as he could, and he left right away for the Rangers, and then. Bobrovsky was having some issues last year. Uh, actually, got suspended for a couple games. Uh, didn't say exactly what it was for, but it might have been for some unhappiness in the locker room. So, would have loved to get a little revenge on both those guys, but uh, they ended up getting the revenge. And Jackets um, falling behind and what's looking to turn into a lost season pretty quickly. Well. Speaking of lost seasons, oh, uh, yeah. the uh, other winter sports professional lost. team. Uh, the your Cleveland Cavaliers have not won a game since uh, November 26th, have lost 10 of their last 11, and lost last night to the 76ers by 47 points. And uh, <sighs> if that was the worst part of the week, uh, that would have been terrible, but not as bad as this. Uh, there was a report through The Athletic that um, Beeline... Uh, Coach John Beeline for the Cavs uh, is treating players like college players, and some players are frustrated. Uh, they, the report said it wasn't just vets, but it was some younger guys that were having some issues. Uh, of course, Beeline disputed the report, and uh, both Tristan Thompson and uh, Larry Nance took issue with the report. Um, one of the things may be just coincidental because they lost 10 of 11, or in response, uh, Kevin Love was made available shortly after so he could be one of the guys i know there are some reports that there were some made, avail- made available to made trade, available right? yeah made available to be traded for he's definitely so, one of the guys uh, <laughs> like, that he, doesn't happen he missed he missed the game that night with an quote-unquote illness so uh has had some instagram posts about three amigos maybe him thompson jordan clarkson but you just never know but right now this is a, a terrible look for a team that who is shocked be good, by but. this report? This is, John Beeline has never coached in the NBA. And we talk about this all the time, taking college coaches up or going down. That's completely different. Here's what I want to know. What I'm do not they, shocked by this What report. do they mean? Like, like I, I specifics? want sp- specifics of what they mean behind I'm, treating players like college kids. I know one of the things he's very much harping on fundamentals and probably some Oh, no, playing the game to, the right way? Yeah, and I think, I think it's just embarrassing for the team look at this point you're a 5 and 17 team you're getting killed just deal with it most of the veterans are on their last year of their contract anyways they'll get traded and 
I'm just I'm just upset because they were they were a fun team to watch at the beginning of the year, and now they've started losing. They started looking lackluster, and now this. It's and gonna you be just a long hope year, it doesn't. Man. You just hope it doesn't. Well, really, you just hope a four-year rebuild doesn't turn into a twenty-year rebuild. Well, and, so and yeah. it's been so long. We didn't meet for a week, and they have not. They haven't <laughs> won a game since before our last episode, which was a while ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, you know, I guess now you just look. I'm sure closer to the trade deadline, you'll you'll try to flip some of the guys for first or second round picks. Yeah, no, uh, November 23rd against Portland was their last win. Kevin Love. Um, Damn, was that for Mello even signed with Portland? I think it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah it would have been. Yeah, it would have been. Yeah, it would have even been pre Mello. So, um, looking actually at Portland, uh, possibly one of the suitors for Kevin Love. Uh, have a lot of young pieces. Obviously, you're in win now mode with McCollum and Lillard, but would love to see maybe a uh, Anthony Simmons, uh, Nishio Little, or maybe some picks. Uh, you know, at this point, trade him, man. Take Screw whatever it. you can get from him. Um, I still have a bunch of you know a tremendous amount of respect for Love. He was the one guy that stayed here, yeah, and um, you know was a champion. So you know, respect for him, but. You really hope a guy doesn't leave and try to burn bridges and try to make Cleveland less of a destination than it already is. I mean, so. I don't. Hey, hey guys, talk. Um, so I mean, the beeline thing—if it's true—and I'm, I don't know. It probably is. I mean, what do we expect? Of course, they're going to deny it. No one's going to admit that. No. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, that's that's why I question. You know, when they talked about how much they were really interested in Tom Izzo, I was like, really? Again, it's different. There's a different dichotomy there I feel when like you, you're coaching young kids who are on scholarship. Right. Like, there's that different yeah. level. And where I mean, when you're coaching guys who make more money than you, and this is a job. And you've seen, it, you've seen it both ways, being able to, you know, pro guys going to college mm-hmm. struggle with right. recruiting and some of the other stuff. Different and, aspects. You know, yeah. I mean, it's going to be an college adjustment coaches period. Struggle too. Not saying he can't. Do it, but it's going to be an adjustment period. I'm not shocked by any of that. That they're Tom Izzo. I feel like if you he'd be on another level with this kind of problem. Oh yeah, right. I mean, he would be ripping people new ones all day. That's all he does. Yeah, that's that's his job. Like he might have a little bit more respect just because the name cachet carries a bit more, but it's not. These guys make way too much money to be getting. Well, speaking of uh, two former, or well, one current and one former Big Ten. uh, college coach look at you segue we're gonna flip into a little bit of college basketball starting with the ohio state basketball buckeyes a huge you mean the best team in the country uh wins over number seven north carolina by 25 beat penn state by 32 one of nine undefeated teams in the nation and, and a team that's just rolled over everybody they've only lost two games by less than 20 this year uh one game to kent state which they won by 19, so basically 20, and then that first game rock fight against Cincinnati, which they won by eight. And honestly, you could say probably Louisville, Ohio State are probably the top two teams in the nation right now just based on what they've done consistently against other teams all year. 110% agree with you, Dave. Oh, yeah. Also fun stat. I'd say it's the first team in the Big Ten to hit the century mark since 06. Oh, so yeah. that's a fun stat. Went went one hundred six to uh, seventy four against Penn State, but no, yeah, they um, them or Louisville. Yeah, I, I'm utterly astounded. I mean, this was a team <laughs> going in. You were just hoping, you know, maybe get some an steps forward, maybe uh, maybe compete 
for the Big Ten championship in some way. Um, I still thought they were a year or two away. Now they look like a dominant force. Where'd that come? I mean, it's the defense is not as surprising. It's their offensive ability with the way they're able to score. I mean, obviously, Caleb Weston's a big part of that. But a lot of those games, you know, it's been other guys, C.J. Jackson, Muhammad. You know, Luther Muhammad's a guy who I didn't ever think was going to be able to score a lick. And this guy um, has really turned his game around. Um you know, but obviously in the deep, you know, they're third in the country in opponents' field goal for percentage of just 33%, and then number one in scoring margin, averaging wins by 26 points. And like you noted, there, it's been a nice, there's been some easy games. They play like Stetson and stuff, but. But I mean, they're still big, playing. I mean, just when you look at like stat wise, I mean, against that Penn State game, in that Penn State game, they shot uh, 53% from right, the arc. Right. Um, you know, uh, they're limiting turnovers, only nine turnovers in that game. Uh, you know, they shot 57% from the field. Uh, Caleb Weston with 28 points in that game. Yeah, I mean, the just the numbers they're putting mm-hmm. up. I know it's easy teams, you know, and I, I won't say Penn State's an easy team. No, I don't um, think so. I mean, just, I mean, there are some in yeah, there. there yeah, there are some in there, but just the numbers that they're putting up alone and the dominant, uh, just what have you been saying about Ohio State football, just the dominant force in which they're right. winning in these games is very impressive. It's very impressive. I'm excited because... We, for a while, haven't had such a great matchup of Michigan and Ohio State basketball that when that comes twice. Oh, uh, right. No, season, yeah. Those are going to be showdowns. Show yeah, down. those are going to be two, two probably top ten teams. Maryland, two, you'll have Maryland. Maybe, yeah. Maybe top five. I mean, you got some nice exciting. That's an adds more to the Big Ten basketball slate. Yeah. Maryland, Ohio State, Michigan, Mich- you know. Michigan State, obviously. Big Ten will be uh, real fun. Ugh, that's gonna basketball. be that's gonna be rough and tumble like it always. Yeah. Is. So uh, looking at it, nine undefeated teams in the nation. Two conferences have multiple undefeated teams. Uh, one's the Big Ten with Ohio State and Maryland. The other one, uh, the Big East with DePaul and Butler. And shifting over to a former Big East team and a current Big East team. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> going on at the same time as the AAC Josh's face as soon as he knew where that was going. Uh, so. Didn't, you know, for those of you that are UC football fans, not getting hey, as much of a you? chance to watch this game. Uh, I watched a little bit of it. Cincinnati falling in the Crosstown shootout to uh, the gold star of Cincinnati schools, Xavier. <laughs> uh, Xavier wins 77 or 73 to 66. Um, leading scorer for Xavier, Najee Marshall, with 31 points. Keith Williams leading the Bearcats. Um, Xavier obviously turning into more of a defensive team this year or these last couple of years under Coach Travis Steele. Uh, Cincinnati still trying to work and find their way to Coach John Brannon. Oh, yeah. uh, the one surprising thing, <laughs> the Cumberlands uh, shot a combined 6 of 24, oh! 3 of 16 from 3. And uh, from all reports that I'm getting, Jaron just every time out looks like he's in pain and is not right. So uh, certainly... Difficult to overcome when your best player and a potential All-American coming into the season has just been banged up all year with a he foot He might be banged injury. up, but he just looks disinterested as hell, though, half the time out there. Like, you can tell when someone's playing hurt, but they're still involved. Josh is, like, dead eye and something. I don't know. Sorry. But um, I don't know. I think I watched some of that game. Every time I saw him, he just walking around, shoulders kind of down, just looks frustrated the whole time. And Josh wants to say something, I think. Uh <laughs> the the Cumberland stats are very troubling. Uh, three for sixteen on threes. Yeah, both both Cumberlands. Yeah, yeah. yeah Darren and Javian. Yeah, the Cumberland if, cousins. If, if you can't get at least one of them produ- to produce, 
then I'll be the first to tell you we're in big trouble. Like, yeah. th thankfully, we have had, you know, some guys step up, like uh, Keith Williams has, you know, really stepped up this year. Uh, Trey Scott, um, not his best game uh, on, excuse me, on Saturday. But, I mean, you look at the Cumberlands. Uh, Jaron's supposed to be a leader on this team, and Javen's supposed to be shooting like we were told he was going to be the shooter. Mm -hmm. um, and there have been games where he's done that. Um, but, again, in these big moments, I, I get really concerned about who is the leader on the court for this team right now because Jaron clearly is just – I don't want to say he's incapable of it right now, but he, he's got some things to work out physically uh, and mentally, I think. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. That yeah, was... I think they both need to, to get in, you know, just to buy into this stuff. And, I mean, you look at Javian, as you said, you know, is a guy that can put up 21 points as he had a couple times, you know, shooting 50, 50-plus 50 percentage from the three-point line and then sometimes can can kind of disappear. Looking at Jaron, um, you know, the last game against Vermont, uh, banged hips early in the game, so was was out for more than a half or about a half in that game. Uh, did miss a lot of time early with ankle and foot problems. Did miss a game, uh, you know, reports were coming out because of some some disagreements with Coach John Brannon. So right now this seems like kind of a handful. Uh, you know, it's one of those difficult seasons where your your best player is playing hurt and you have a, a huge changing of styles where you're, you know, he's trying to get his guys and trying to get his system and, you have a lot of guys that are used to playing a completely different system. So uh, what system? They're not used to playing a system on. Well, offense. that's what I mean. <laughs> yeah. They're they're used to they're used to playing all defense with you know, just let Jaron run around with the ball a lot. So uh, it's one of those things where I, you know, you know, this was going to be a tough season coming in. You had some good teams in the AAC, but you thought with Cumberland and, you know, some of the talent, some of the senior talent that they had that they could still be a tournament team. But, you know, going forward. Um, one of the one of the Cumberlands has to step up. Yeah. I, I, you just have you have to have one of those guys step right. up and at least at least be somewhat of a leader on the court, but then also be able to shoot the ball. Uh, you did have Adams Woods who had the 10 points, uh, four for four from the field and two for two beyond the arc, uh, you, you, there were some bright spots. And that game was right. never really a, a blowout. Um, nah. There was, I think the biggest stretch was an 11-point stretch coming out of the second half for Xavier. Mm -hmm. They went on a, a run. But other than that, I mean, the game was never really beyond that nah. at any point. It was always within reach. Yeah, it was Honestly, a big run by Xavier to go up, you know, uh, what I think it was. They were up by 16 at one point, so the first – Eight minutes or so of the second half, it went from thirty-two twenty-nine to fifty-one thirty-five. So they just need to—they just need to clean it up. And I really think they would have given if they—they they would have given themselves a better shot to at least win this game. Because, like I said, it was always within reach. But I mean, you had seventeen turnovers and only shot forty percent. Right. Like, I'm actually kind of surprised that. It wasn't uh, yeah, more I thought of a that blowout. was. Hey, and they won the rebounding battle. So, small oh, wins. I think the Bearcats will always, well, show, you know, the Bearcats traditionally win that battle. Um, yeah, 41 boards to 36 there. Uh, 13 offensive rebounds, most importantly, an important mm -hmm. stat there. Uh, I think they still have to convert some of those offensive boards into points, limit the turnovers, and, yeah, someone needs to step up. And then going over 
if we have any Xavier fan listeners, um, if we do, first off, <laughs> gross. But uh, Najee Marshall, like we said, leading them 31 points, 12 of 22. Uh, I mean, Tyreek Jones, 10 points, 9 rebounds. So they were able to play good defense, taking hey. control of what their, their coach does with Zach Steele playing good defense. So now they're 9-1 and one with their only loss being to Florida. Uh, looking at the schedules coming up, last three games for each team before conference, conference play, Xavier goes to Wake Forest and to TCU with also a game at home against West Carolina before starting conference play against Villanova. UC is home against Colgate and number 21 Tennessee before going to play Iowa in the Chicago Legends Classic. So. I was just going to say, though, did you guys see that thing, uh, Steele? He, he went to that bar and gave some kid $1,000, you know, by campus and bought everybody drinks. I thought that was, like, dope as hell. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Travis Steele? Travis Steele, yeah. So, I mean, he was the one— Jacked up about it. Obviously. The one thing that you can say as far as— um, and you know you you hate to to look at Xavier and see what they done, but uh, you know when Travis Steele first got hired, Xavier was really struggling. I mean they were about a five hundred team, maybe even below five hundred, and they finally started to kind of get that Travis Steele system rolling, able to even make it into the NIT, and were kind of a bubble team, and then have really started rolling coming into this year. So it's one of those things where it takes time to get uh you know a new system under under place you look at a lot of the coaches you know a lot of the teams that are great they are the the dukes the kentuckys the michigan states the kansas is that the coach has been there for you know 10 15 right. 30 yeah. years right so no, it takes time it's, mean. The it's one of those thing. things that that takes time and uh i guess you know if you're a cincinnati fan stay with it I, so, I, I think they'll you know. be decent come March. I, I think Xavier will be a great team come March. I think the Bearcats will be a decent team. Yeah, come March I think. I think if you're both will carry they gotta buy in. Yeah, 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 they gotta buy into the system. If you're Xavier, you know, winning the game is always a great mark for the for the tournament. And if you're UC, you know, um, losing the teams like Ohio State and and Xavier both on the road isn't you know a a, a loss that's going to knock you out of the tournament. Now the loss to Bowling Green, maybe, but uh, right, you know. It's one of those things that uh, if they can figure it out, you know, they still have an opportunity. Um, All right. To uh, end the Ohio uh, news. No. No. We got a couple more things. We've got some hot stove soccer and some hot stove baseball. Uh, Josh. Hot stove uh, soccer. We want to lead with there. Um, Yeah, we'll get into some hot stove soccer. Uh, we'll start with the crew in Columbus, uh, bolstering up the what, back what? line. Um, they, uh, just signed, uh, Axel Joberg, uh, I think is how you say that. Um, a defender that has been with the Colorado Rapids. Uh, they also signed, uh, Vito Wormger out of, uh, the, uh, Dutch league. Um, so bolstering up the back line there for Columbus, um, there is some interesting news going on with one of their transfers. Um, they had an offer for Chris Cadden, um, yet to make his uh, debut for the Columbus. It sounded like he was going to be coming over for the crew this year. Now it sounds like the crew will be rejecting his transfer offer. Um, yeah, Oxford United, who's one of the uh, lower-level teams in the uh, English football system, was trying to make a run at him, but he's one of those guys that has come up through the crew system Someone that they're they're very high on, so uh, 
I guess it means something, you know, big for the, um, big for the crew. I guess, uh, he was on loan with, uh, the side Oxford United in the EFL League One, but, uh, they tried to buy him from the crew and the crew said no. So at some point, I think they're going to try to get him back and, uh, maybe he can play a big role for the crew this year. We will see, uh, crew, uh, will open the season this year in Columbus, uh, against the New York City FC on March 1st. Uh, FC Cincinnati, they've also added uh, some depth to the back line. Not a lot of starters there, but a few additions there. The main addition uh, to FC Cincinnati, big news, is uh, the addition of midfielder Harris Meduyanin, uh using targeted allocation money um, with the weird MLS. Uh, general allocation money, Bucks. targeted allocation money, uh, Designated player money. The MLS cap is a is a wild time. Medunyanin, uh, he will be coming from the Philadelphia Union. Uh, the reason this is a huge get for the orange and blue, uh, he led all MLS players last year in total passes, total completed passes, passes in the opponent's half, and completed passes in the opponent's half. So FC Cincinnati might have uh, their tactical weapon finally. They will open the season in New York or Jersey, rather, uh, at the home of the Red Bulls, also on March. Yeah, so uh, we'll be interesting to see. Uh, obviously, Cincinnati, the wooden spoon winners for the worst team in MLS oh, yeah. in their first year. Uh, Columbus was a team that kind of uh, came on late after losing some players, but uh, still a pretty mediocre season, not being a playoff team. So uh, we'll be interesting to see how these moves uh, kind of Meg pushed them forward. Meg Whitman, Silicon uh, Valley uh, techie, also a new owner for FC Cincinnati, bought a 20% stake uh, for $100 million. Forbes now values FC Cincinnati at $500 million, half a billion, um, which is a lot of people think that's high. That's actually pretty on track for lower level, like MLS, larger MLS, mm -hmm. small market NHL teams. That's about right, on yeah. track right there. Yeah, um, and also that's about as much as it costs to, to get an MLS to, yeah, team in, true, into yeah. MLS. So. You got to get into MLS with that ticket. But uh, that is all I have on the hot stove soccer. Uh, now we'll uh, take that off the burner and move to the other oven across the kitchen here uh, to MLB yeah, hot stove. Yeah, real sports. Let's do it, guys. I was going to say, you seem very quiet during the MLS. <laughs> so. Took my other five minute break that I'm a. You gotta <laughs> respect the puck and the pitch, man. You, I respect it. I don't know a lot about it, so I'm not gonna sit here and spout off like I know what I'm talking about. But uh, MLB. What you don't watch all these random sports a bunch of the time. Now you're gonna spout off to me about how old the oh, Reds made a terrible deal. Is that what we're talking about first? Uh, we can talk about I whichever you terrible want to go deal. First Wait, I mean we're an Ohio sports podcast. Uh, so bring us in, Greg. Bring us in. It. I mean, Zach, you're, you're uh, Josh, you're the Reds guy. Why don't, why don't you bring us in on this? All right, well, the, uh, the Cincinnati Reds made their biggest free agent signing in franchise history uh, when they added, excuse me, <clears throat> when they added Mike Moustakis, 31-year-old. Uh, that was for four years, $64 million. Uh, I love this deal. I don't love this deal. I would have liked to got him for a little less money. A little less. But bottom line, this improves the Cincinnati Reds roster in 2020. Mike Moustakis slash 254, 310, 519 with 35 home runs and 87 RBIs last year. 
Uh, by comparison, Red's second baseman, uh, 221, 288, 390 with 23 home runs. So a big upgrade. Um, he's hit 38, 28, and 35 home runs in the last three years, uh, respectively there. So uh, Red's get a big bat. Much needed. An improvement. It's an improvement. 16 or four years for 64 million. Uh, first of all, can we think about how funny that is when we like talk about small market teams like the Indians and Reds, their highest free agent uh, signing, right, and yeah. then other teams are dishing out 300 million dollar deals? Um, it's all in the eye of the beholder. Josh. Well, their highest deal was to Vado, so well, it wasn't their highest signing ever, but yes, highest free agent highest signing free ever. Agent signing. I mean, fair, but that's what I'm saying, but yeah. Um, I think like two years at like 12 million would have been more in his. What? Don't look at me like that. You're putting him among. Now he's among the highest paid second baseman in baseball. First of all, 30 home runs yeah. doesn't mean what it used to mean. Everybody has 30 home runs. Um, 38. And you're making. He, he's a third baseman. He has some experience at second base, but you're losing a lot defensively there at second. Are you? From, uh, from who? Scooter Jeanette? Like. I mean. He's not going to age well. He's not a player who's going to age well. He's 31. I'm saying is, hey, first year the deal's probably going to work out. You're eating the other three. He's 31. And I, and I think they're willing to gamble on that. No, I know, but I don't think, like, I think that they would have waited out. They could have got a better deal. I admit, I'm thinking, like, the Indians, my two-year $12 million deal is more what the Indians because they won't pay anybody market value. But, I don't know, $16 million a year? I don't know. I mean, I think, yeah. I mean, if you're a Reds fan, don't get me wrong. If the Indians had signed him, I would have been excited. Just it's something. At least they're trying to get better. I mean, but when I saw the price tag, I was like, oh. I mean, he definitely wanted a long-term deal. He's been he's been, he's living been off wanting these, one yeah, for years yeah, and years. He's been living off these single de- single year deals. Two, so the yeah, Reds with the Royals, the, the Reds and, uh, had Brewers. to do this to get him. Yeah, and I think right they, now. Yeah. Well, sometimes to get those guys to go to the smaller market teams like Cincinnati, you know, you I understand pay a bit more. that. I understand that, but I'm saying is we act like this is like we're in Jan. We're not even in January yet. Winter meetings are just starting this week. Well, and I think, and I think that's the mystery here with the Reds is that they have not come out, and I don't think they will come out with a hard number on this is what we're. We know for a fact that they are increasing their payroll right. from their increased. Well, payroll that's what I'm saying. If they were like, hey, we're gonna have. $160 million payroll, well, yeah, well, screw it. Well, then, yeah. and, it sa- I mean, and it sounds like they're dumping a ton of money okay, because yeah. they've said that this isn't our last signing. We will definitely have another signing. It could be Good for you guys. Remember, I'm an Indians fan. We don't spend money on shit. So I saw that price. Tag. I was like, oh. <laughs> I, I, hey, my bottom line here, and I think this should be the bottom line for all of us in Reds country, is that it improves the Cincinnati Reds in 2020. To quote a former manager, how does this help the Reds? How does this help the Cincinnati Reds? It helps them a lot. Adds a much-needed extra And I think, you know, uh, looking around the league, or looking around the the division, you know, the Cardinals are are staying pat, but they could lose some, you know, players like Ozuna, who uh, is rumored to sign a deal with the, the White Sox as early as tomorrow. So Cardinals will be about the same, maybe a slight step back. Uh, the Brewers have lost some players, so they're probably going to take a big step back. The Pirates are the Pirates, and you know, God knows what's going on with the Cubs at this point, with possibly trading some stars or or what. You know, there have been some reports about them, you know, uh, not even being able to sign free agents until they cut some salaries. So it's it's been pretty wild in Chicago. So I mean, if there's a chance to go for it, it you know, it might be soon for the Reds. There might be a window opening. You know, with the last couple of years, the the NL Central has had. 
a lot of really good teams, and if some of them take a step back, then this might be the best chance the Reds have in you know, the last All in the eye years? of the beholder, I'm just saying. I think Creaky Knees is going to be playing second base in a couple of years, and... Hey, I don't. It's not going to be pretty. I yeah, if you, I mean, if you look, you know, several years in the future, you could have a, you know, a 35, 35 and 39 year old he, on the right side right, of your it's infield. Just, it's, he's not going to age well. Good for them, though, because everybody, at least you guys spend money. I was going to say, <laughs> yeah. yeah, how many, how many times do you remember the Reds, you know, spending big money? And now they have, you know, um, a decent rotation in, uh, you know, Castillo, Sonny Gray, Trevor Bauer. This helps, uh, okay, this let's helps, not even go down the track. This helps the club improve next year. Yeah. Bottom line. Yeah. I so. know. I'm just saying they don't want to be – can't be short-sighted, man. You always got to be thinking for the future when you're in a small market. That's all I'm saying. All I'm saying. All right, so let's talk about the future <laughs> with uh, the small market team up north uh, with the uh, tribe. Uh, right now, you know, uh, reports from the Indians, uh, not really doing a whole lot in free agency, but uh, – they're Possibly some trades come, coming their way. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see what they do with uh, Lindor and Kluber uh, because... If I you, think Kluber's if, gone. If you sell now... I think he's gone. Then, I mean, they both basically have, what, two years of club control left? Kluber a little different because it's two separate options. Yeah, it's, it's two separate. Um, it is two different situations. Yeah, I mean, I think if they can, I think they'll trade Kluber. They don't want to trade Lindor yet. They still got a little bit of a window. I think they want to go into this, unless someone offers them the house, you know. So that's, so that's what I'm saying. If a team like the Dodgers, who's both desperately in need of, uh, that has the money, that has the pieces to trade, that needs a starting pitcher and another bat, like, if, what if you come and do a blockbuster deal? If someone comes to the Indians' table with a mm. blockbuster deal in which Kluber and Lindor are packaged together, do you sell oh, them both off this like year? something like that? Yeah. You'd yeah, but, but, but you're, getting, you're getting two MLB guys right now who are under control for foreseeable future. I mean, that's been the thing with the Yankees. The Yankees want Lindor bad, but the Indians said no deal unless Gleyber Torres, and they don't want to part with Torres. Oh, yeah. that's, a, that's And that's just a start. Right. I think you're looking if you if you're packaging them together, you're wanting two big league guys now, probably a solid reliever and at least two or three high end prospects in there. The one question that I have for two uh, years of control for both of them. Not exactly Lindor, but with uh, Corey Kluber. Uh, if you didn't follow his uh, past season, it was he rough. was hurt in May. He he uh, broke his arm on a comebacker and then uh, hurt his oblique. During a rehab, he struggled start. all year. Though, even so before he got hurt. The question yeah. is, would now be the right time to trade him, or do you try to see how things well, go? Maybe well, try to well, the Indians him know. To show some That's value? fair. If you're the Indians and they know, they know. They've seen his medical report. They know. If they feel like it was just a bad year, you know, they didn't make the playoffs, got a long That's, off season. If they feel like he's going to come back and be healthy. That's then I think you take a chance and take him into the season. But that's if you're, what I'm thinking. But it, but I don't know. The Indians are one of those. They're Indians are always one of those franchises. And I do respect them for this. They don't take a chance on killing assets. Like they'll rather get rid of somebody too early and get what they want than hold on to a guy and just right. completely bottom out. Well, yeah. so that's that's what I'm saying here. And is that you could still you could still have Lindor, who's only 25 years old. You could still get a lot just on that alone if right. you trade him off. I don't with think two they'll years be packaged. 
I could see, I think they're going to wait and see how the market plays out. The winter meetings will be interesting. I think they'll wait and see how the market plays out a little bit. You know, hopefully maybe there's a guy who the market just doesn't, you know, come about for. They can sneak in and get a steal there. Um, but otherwise, I think they're going to have to make a trade to bring anything back. You know, something new to shore up the roster, either at second, third base, outfield, relief, um, or just another big bat. Um, so that's why I'm saying I think if we got closer to spring training, teams start getting desperate for a, real, a starter. I could see them shipping Kluber then. Not saying they will, but... Well, I, we'll take a break on this and uh, continue in a, into our next segment. Um, do have some Ohio beer news for us today. Um, Who doesn't love some Ohio beer news? Yeah, what, we, we got to know what's going on. For another one in mid-January, uh, Jungle Gyms at their Fairfield location has the Jungle Gyms Barrel-Aged Beer Bash, January 18th from 7 to 9.30. Um, probably 60-plus breweries show up with uh, a handful of barrel-aged beers. It's a good time. It's a time to try out, you know, uh, some barrel-aged beers you might really like, some that might be a little bit too far out there for you, but uh, always a a really good time. I know I'll be in attendance there. I I love going to these beer fests every year because you get a little cup, you get a chance to try all these different kinds of beers and, you know, sometimes find something that uh, you never thought you would like, you know, barrel-aged something or another, or or try a beer that you are absolutely disgusted about, you know, a a cabbage and pepper beer that was was barrel-aged, but now you have a story about it. Oh, man. That'd be interesting. I'll have to check that one out. Uh, Yeah. Then, uh, uh, one of my favorite Ohio breweries, Hi Ho Brewing Company, up in uh, the Cuyahoga area. Uh, ho, um, ho. They're uh, in the distributing uh, now. They got cans. Their first can, Hi Hazy Ho, um, New England style IPA. Um, they are available. Uh, I'm sure they'll be working their way down here, but especially if you're up in that Cleveland area, Hi Ho Brewing Company now canning Hi Hazy Ho. Nice. And that is your Ohio beer news i think we're gonna move on to um jump jumping back into hot stove a little bit aren't we yeah well we're gonna go into some ohio segments where we could go into some of our countdowns what would be the three moves that you guys would like to see from either the reds or the indians or a combination of both uh, all right countdowns uh reds i'll go with uh number one uh which has been done at the bat <laughs> Could add another bat, I think. Um, number two, I'd love to see the Reds get one more starting pitcher. Um, they have said that they have not ruled Zach Wheeler out. Well, Zach Wheeler Whoa. just got signed yeah. by, oh, the, yeah, that's right. by the um, Phillies. Yes. That's right. Um, Zach Wheeler signed by the Phillies. Um, so you definitely, I don't know, I think another starting pitcher would really solidify the Reds' rotation. Right. Um, and then... Uh, definitely still in need of some depth. Um, I like Freddie Galvis. Uh, I definitely think he could be the starting shortstop for the Reds, but right now you're kind of throwing all your marbles on Freddie mm-hmm. Galvis to be the starting shortstop all year. Risky, I think. Um, and then same with the outfield. You've got a solid outfield with the uh, Philip Irvin, Jesse Winker platoon in left, uh, Aristides Aquino in right. Senzel in center field. Definitely think you could add depth there as well. For the Indians, add an infielder, uh, replace Kipnis. Uh, 
I think you have to this season at least deal one of Lindor or Kluber, as we were just talking about. And then uh, with Puy gone, you got to fill a hole in the outfield as well. So, Well, fun note on that. I'll jump in at the outfield. I'm going to jump in the Indians. Uh, obviously, definitely need another out, at least one outfielder. Um, I think it's either going to be – there's apparently some mutual interest. We'll see how the market plays out between Puig and the Indians, if the market works out right in the Indians' favor. Puig is open to coming back, supposedly. Um, I think it would either be him or I would hope maybe we could trade for Starling Marte. The Indians have constantly tried to trade for Marte. They haven't been able to work out a deal. Maybe Pittsburgh might be ready to deal. Um, I would say that's the one position that I really hope they can make a move. Or if they do trade Lindor, they might send back Clint Frazier from the Yankees. I might, I think the Yankees is a landing spot for him. Um, second base... You know, obviously there's like Rendon and those kind of guys. That's never going to happen. It's a, it's a pipe dream. Uh, probably Freeman, I imagine, will be hanging out there again. Um, probably playing third, moving um, uh, J-Ram over to second. Um, and then relievers. If anybody can tell me why they non-tendered Nick Goody, I would love to hear. No idea why. He was really just a great middle reliever for the last couple of years. Doesn't make a lot of sense because now they need to go find more relief help. Um, they might look at like a Blake Trinan, um, some of those bounce back candidates. You know, really struggled last year, but has a pretty good track record. And, or Drew Pomeranz, ex Indian, we could bring him back. Yeah, I think uh, you know my my looking at both those teams is I think they both need some help and relief. Uh, you know the the. Uh, Reds were finally starting to get rid of some dead weight in, uh, you know, David Hernandez and whatnot during uh, the season last year. And uh, for the Indians, it's a lot of just finding guys that can get you to Brad Hand. So, uh, yeah. I mean, they lost Clipper, too. Yeah, they lost Clipper, too. So if they can find some guys to fill it up. uh, Obviously, I think both of them need another corner outfield piece, whether it's Puig uh, for the Reds. Senzel and Aquino both look to be studs. The one thing that kind of amazed me about the Moustakas thing is keeping Senzel in center field. But if you have Senzel in center field, I think really um, you only have, I guess it's left field if Aquino's playing right, where I don't, I mean, Winker and Irvin might be an okay platoon, but I don't think either of those are really starting caliber players. So, uh, you know, I think that. And then, like both of you said, I think they both have some uh, infield positions that they might need to shore up. Reds at shortstop, and then Indians at you know whatever position, second or third that you that you don't have Jose Ramirez. Both, both I would rather an outfielder, an outfielder. Yeah, I guess it depends on who they get. Like that's what I was thinking. Like the Indians are very interested in the stock. Is like if they had gotten him, obviously third, put J Ram at second. I think J Ram wants to play second. That's where he's more comfortable. Um, so I think I would lean more in third base. But then I think you've got a Freeman um, who can't hit worth a lick, but <laughs> sounds like an yeah. Indians third baseman to me because he's cheap. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And that's kind of how it Gotta goes. Save, save that money. Yeah. <laughs> well, now that we're uh, done kind of wrapping up at least the hot stove in Ohio, we're going to go to one of the hottest teams in college football with uh, our little six-pack of stats. Going over to you, Zach, our six-pack of stats on Ohio State's undefeated season. Zach, what do you got for us? All right, on our six-pack of stats commemorating Ohio State's 13-0 in Big Ten Championship. Um, fun stat number one, probably not surprising. Ohio State has 51 sacks on the year, most of any school in the country. Uh, stat number two, 
Ohio State leads the nation with 57% third down conversion. That's, that's ridiculous, by the way. Um, Ohio State is fourth in the nation, allowing only 28% on third down conversions. Uh, number four, 48 points a game leads the nation on offense. Um, another crazy stat, Ohio State has only had one pass intercepted this year. That um, is wild. That is wild. I mean, even Chugganov's played a lot, and he hasn't even thrown a pick, and that was... Um, that's fun stat, though. That's only number two behind Georgia Southern, <laughs> who has attempted 128 passes on the year. Yeah, they're more or less an option, yeah. team. And then numero six, uh, Ohio State is second in the nation in tackles for loss with 137, uh, three behind UCF, who led the nation. I felt those are the six stats that really lay out how dominant they've been on all sides of the ball this year. Yeah, I mean that's some some of those are insane. I mean the sacks, yeah. obviously, we know with Chase Young, right? Um, that, that's he only makes up a little bit of that. Yeah, um, I think the third down conversions, offense, you got to be able to move the chains. Defense, you got to be able to get out the field. And the third down right, conversions, insane. Yeah. The one, I think. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. I think the most uh, crazy stat for me is is the interceptions because yes, I mean they've been you know they've right. been beating the crap out of teams where you know they haven't had to throw the ball as much, but even in an, you know an early game situation, you know maybe a ball flutters on mm-hmm. you, maybe you miss one coverage or something. Right. But having that only happen to them, you know one, you know it would be interesting to see how many. Probably a hundred plus teams have had you know a game of two picks out of a oh, quarterback. Yeah. So right. to have you know to have one in a season more or less a game. It's not is, like is he doesn't good. take shots. He's not Alex Smith or something out there just throwing. Oh yeah, we'll, beans so, and ducks. we'll see what yeah. happens in. Uh, oh, <laughs> Clemson will be interesting. Yeah. yeah, that'll be a test of that. So yeah, we'll get to that in just a second. But uh, for our last Ohio segment, we have uh, a little "Would You Rather." Uh, oh, Josh, I believe yeah. this was this was your brainchild. So why don't you explain it to uh, All right. us in the. So it, it is the season. Yeah, I was going to like do some holiday-themed ones as yeah. we get you know, closer to the holiday season. So uh, And now is the time to build, because if you build too early, it'll start to mold. If you build too late, you, you don't really enjoy it. We're talking gingerbread houses, <laughs> gentlemen. Gingerbread houses. Who would you rather... Oh, and before I lay this out there, this is a mm. Browns versus Bengals edition, too, since we're doing the Battle of, of Ohio today. Um, so we'll see if the Bengals can't get some wins here. Uh, who would you rather compete in a gingerbread house competition with? And so we'll just run down positionally here, okay. Browns versus Bengals. So who would you rather compete in a gingerbread, gingerbread house competition with? It's just you and them, by the way. You're a two-person team. Okay. Um, so QBs, Are we, like, cooking from – are we doing this from scratch? No, no. You got, yeah, it's like one of those boxes and everything. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're still I didn't know on, if we were cooking. You're still, then, no, you're still on one of those, uh, okay. like, Food Network stages, prime time, live. Oh, there's an audience. Yeah. Oh, Ooh. yeah, man. This is high stakes. Oh, yeah, I mean, you got the you got the pro teams and you got the talent of 30 Rack of Sports. It would be a must-see <laughs> yeah, event. Yeah, oh, that, yeah, that is sure. must-watch television. So, uh Andy Dalton or Baker Mayfield? Who would you rather be in a gingerbread house competition the with? The ginger, obviously. Is this even a question? Uh, I think Baker would be the more competitive oh, really? one. Really? And he's got Baker in his name. <laughs> but also, I think, ginger, I, I think Andy Dalton's just a, just a good guy. I don't know. I think he'd be like, I think he'd be like helping no, out both teams and just like I can see Baker himself. like... The place is a mess. He's probably not super organized. Baker would probably. Well, I could see like Andy would come with like apron. He's ready to go. He knows exactly what he's doing. 
Yeah, nice I think clean lines to connect the pieces. I, I think, believe it or not, I'd probably pick Andy because I think he'd be a good guy. He'd, he'd maybe get some help from like a kid, you know, <laughs> yeah. in the in the audience. I feel like Baker, we'd just like we'd be at each he'd other's throat. Well, we'd be at each other's throat. No, I'll get to eating it. Don't worry about that, uh, <laughs> Freddie. We'd be at each other's throats. Not just Freddie. I have another one too. Oh, okay. But uh, right. probably. Probably Andy Dalton, because yeah, yeah I think I think Baker and I would end up like starting to like break the gingerbread house and like throwing <laughs> gingerbread crumbs at each other. He's too dangerous to build a gingerbread house. <laughs> uh, running backs, who would you rather build a gingerbread house with in a live competition? Running backs. Uh, I guess we'll open it up to all of them here: uh, Joe Mixon or Giovanni Bernard or uh, uh, Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt. Before we do this, uh, you could do. There could be a lot of uh, Joe Mixon, Kareem Hunt stuff that you could put up there. But I think I'm going to go with Nick Chubb. He's a team player, team guy first. He'll do what's necessary. If he has to hang from the roof to help get the icing in the right spot, he'll do that. He will make sure. That we get to victory. I'm oh, taking yeah, the I'm going to go with Kareem Hunt. I think he's got a lot of PR he's still got to do, and he's got some good PR. I feel like he'll just be into it, ready to go, put on a good face. Yeah. I, I might go with Giovanni Bernard, actually, um, just because he's kind of like an older, wise sage type, you know? <laughs> he's done this before. Yeah, he's been around. You know, he's like, yeah. I've made some gingerbread he's, houses. Yeah, he's seen some gingerbread <laughs> houses. He knows the, you know, what consistency your icing <laughs> needs to be. Structurally sound kind of guy. You I've know. been building gingerbread houses since before you guys. <laughs> All right, uh, we're going to open it up. Big group now. Um, wide receivers. Who would you rather compete in a gingerbread house building competition with? Browns versus Bengals. Wide receivers. Who we picking? Look, if Odell can uh, I was gonna say Odell. build a gingerbread house like he can dress, then we are have... The fanciest I was thinking, gingerbread house. He brings the flair. Yeah. He brings the flair. He likes to talk about his him, flair. Him or uh, Jarvis, who's, mm. who's got some. They he's got a guy some. that'll catch everything. So any That's kind true. of issue that you'll have, he'll catch it. <laughs> yeah, you drop like a, a gumdrop, you know, Ooh. ornamental. Got and, it, got it, got it. Yeah, I think I'd have to go with OBJ there too because, yeah, he's got, you know, a got sense the of the flair and, and the style and, and everything. You could really have like a lavish gingerbread house. Oh, that would yeah. be crazy. Um... Not something that you'd have in Cleveland, which is why he wants out. So. <laughs> uh, linemen. You shut up. <laughs> linemen here. Who, uh, what, any linemen that you would, uh, Browns versus Bengals, compete so in the gingerbread house competition? The one that with? I certainly would not would be um, Greg Robinson, because I feel like we'd get penalized for starting too early. Yeah. Uh, we'd get penalized for holding on to the gingerbread house for too long. Um, I'd probably take Joel Batonio. Not a lot of good people to. Uh, pick out of either of these offensive lines they no. both kind of stink but he's about as much of a steady eddie as we can get so oh, we're uh, going we're keeping this to offensive linemen because mine oh, was are we going mine, defensive yeah linemen? mine was oh. a defensive lineman i was going to go with uh carlos dunlop um oh. recently followed him on instagram and he seems very leisurely um <laughs> so i you know i'm sure he's seen some houses in his days and has studied you know the art of gingerbread house making so i'd go with dunlop i'm taking miles garrett Ooh, ooh, that'd be a good one. Because he is uh, he's a big poetry guy. He's a big like inner self guy. I feel like he'd have good uh, good ability to, to make a gingerbread house. As long as we can uh, stop him from slamming a helmet on it, I think we'd have a really good opportunity to win. He'd be very zen about it, I feel like. Yeah, unless Mason Rudolph comes by. Then all bets are off. That's fair. 
Uh, Zach, did you uh, have a, a, a I, lineman? I've got Cincinnati uh, kid, Sam Hubbard. Ooh, yeah. ooh, ooh, that's a good one. Uh, kickers, kickers, which uh, kicker would you rather have uh, on your team for gingerbread house competition? Uh, Cyber. Cyber. Cyber, because I feel like Randy's just going to start eating the gingerbread. Yeah, that's also where I was going. <laughs> Fat with Randy. That. He yeah. knows what good shit looks like. That is true. That is true. I'm going to go with Randy. You're going with Randy. Just because I want to do like the Christmas story thing where I just go, Randy. No, I think he'd eat it. I'm going with Cyber. Uh, punter. Uh, which punter? Uh, real quick question. Do they make gingerbread houses in Scotland? Because if not, I guess I'm going to have to take humor. I think that's a pretty... I don't know what they do in Scotland, dude. I think that's a pretty... I don't think it's an American tradition necessarily. I don't know. I'm not sure, yeah. Then I'm taking Jamie Gill and the Scottish Hammer because he's got that flow. Well, I'm taking Huber because I know he'd have, like, when you're decorating, like, the roof or the garden or anything and you're doing, like, the candy pieces on the gingerbread house, Huber can place, he has pinpoint Ooh, accuracy. So That's a good point. I'm a, I'm a, I'm all right, a Huber. we'll wrap it up with which head coach would you rather compete in a gingerbread house competition with? Freddie Kitchens or Zach Taylor? I wish we would have done this a year ago, two years ago. <laughs> Uh, I think that's hard. I don't think either. I don't think either of them would complete it. Yeah, I don't have a lot of confidence because I feel like they wouldn't be able to follow directions. That things would be all over the place. Bad yeah, decisions feel, I, all around. I feel like um, undisciplined would be. Yeah, the I feel used. like uh, Taylor would go in with really no plan. He'd like build the outside and then not really know <laughs> what was going on. And then um, I just think Freddie Kitchens, though his name is Kitchens, so I'd probably take him, but probably be very undisciplined in building it uh you know probably start eating some stuff and then you'll be like hey let this let this stay together like let this you know get iced together before you start on the next part and then you just start right ahead and then it would fall over so i really think either of them would be a disaster but i'm I'm gonna take the guy with the last name kitchen i think i might take freddie kitchens too i feel like zach taylor would like get caught up on what color icing we needed to use (laughs) and have to call up sean mcveigh what's next be like sean sean what what, blue or yellow? I'm going to go, I'm going to give Zach Taylor some love. I'll go to Zach Taylor just because I know that when we go to present our platter, it's not just going to be crumbs. That's, that's fair. That's fair. Yikes. <laughs> All right, well, uh, we, uh, that is our, uh, who would you rather build a gingerbread house uh, in a competition with Browns versus Bengals style? I believe uh, we got to crack open a second beer and finish up yeah, with our national Yeah, game. hey, uh, before we do that, uh, be sure to uh, send us your responses on who for the Browns or Bengals you would want to build a gingerbread house with. If any of you build any gingerbread houses, uh, you know, send us a picture, tag us in it. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, at 30 Rack Podcast, 30 Rack Sports. Uh, you know, tell your friends, tell your grandmother, tell that guy down the street, tell that guy that won't stop talking to you at work. Tell them all. Be like, hey, instead of talking to me and asking me dumb questions, listen to 30 Rack Sports. <laughs> at 30 Rack Podcast. We're uh, back to every Monday morning. So, yeah, tell your friends. Tell your friends. Tell, tell, tell your, your wife. Tell your people tell down at your, at your local craft brewery. You know. Send us any suggestions, us suggestions. for yeah. week. We, we, we need more beer suggestions. Yeah, 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 yeah. If, you, if you have a you know, if you have a favorite Cleveland beer, favorite Toledo beer, favorite Athens beer, favorite Zanesville Jackie beer. Jackie, oh, oh, I won't yeah. drink anything from the White Ridge City. Mm. Uh, I'd still love to get some Athens beer here. You know? Jackie but, O's. Uh, yeah, we could get some Jackie O's or something. I'll be home. For I'll this episode, we are cracking open our second beer of Rivertown, Rivertown, 
Roebling, a vanilla espresso, not espresso, for any of you that don't may not know how to speak. So it's like not me. So it's not expressed? No, it's not expressed. It's espressed. Imperial Porter from big old Monroe, Ohio. Catch it right off 68, right off 75. Their food's actually really good at the brewery. I don't Is know it? if you guys I, I saw that they had a, I, I never uh, heard of so it. It's so good. This brewery, love the food there. They have these little like pans of like cornbread, egg, oh, like pulled goodness. pork. Oh, yeah. So good. Also, we have to go have a production meeting. I am a big, we'll I'm a big sour guy and they have a lemon beer called Lemon Bar. Mm. Fantastic. So check nice. it out. Rivertown Roebling and check out Rivertown and like we said any beers that you want us to drink oh, I will at least drink even if it's a gross cabbage pepper beer yeah, I will drink Yeah you brought it. that up earlier I loved uh uh barrel aged beers uh but that that cabbage, sounds man cabbage. what was what else was it cabbage and pepper I believe it was cabbage and well, it was pepper like yeah black um, pepper or like one of our pepper. one of our local breweries in Norwood tried to go a little bit off kilter had a carrot beer which was actually okay Oh, uh, I don't know cabbage and pepper and a, a couple other beers, like a celery beer or something. So Oof. certainly uh, this is a place where people take some chances, and some of them hit and some of them certainly do not. Well, you Speaking know what really hits. hits for us? All righty, we are into our national news. We're going to go to championship week in Football, we will start with whatever I say we'll start with, which is the Pac-12 championship, just because it was the Friday game. Oregon beats Utah 37-15, effectively eliminating the Pac-12 from the college football playoff. Once again. Whatever. What does the Pac-12 have to do to actually be, you know, a team that Uh, makes it into the college football playoff? Because I believe they have not made it in since Washington, Washington about 16. four years ago. No, 16, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, great. That's a whole quote. We could have a whole show on that. Um, I mean, here's the issue. You, you're one state out there that produces high-end football. It's probably the number one producer, California. Kids are leaving in droves and are not staying on the coast. I mean, Ohio State, Clemson, Bama, everybody's going out there and picking. Yeah, SC, SC has to come back. That's plain and simple. Um, obviously, Chris Peterson abruptly uh, retired, um, so I think that really hurts Washington a little bit. I thought they were they had a rough year this year, but I thought they were up and coming. Um, Oregon is what Oregon is. I don't think that is the team that I thought Oregon was. I, yeah. I think they slipped there. Yeah, at the end of the regular yeah. They, they slipped one game against Arizona State, and that's the problem that not, you see with a lot of those. With whether there's it no be depth Georgia and there's or no else. perception. Look at where the Big Ten was a few years ago, where the people thought that was the worst conference. What did it take? You have to go win bowl games. You have to go win those games. A lot of it is perception still. Oh, this yeah. is not a perfect science. A lot of this is everybody just automatically wrote off for the season start that Pac-12 is not going to be good, except for Oregon, maybe. Well, that's why I was very shocked when uh, USC said this week, uh, former UC athletic director yeah. now at USC, Mike Bowen, said that they would be keeping uh, Clay Helton as the SC mm-hmm. head coach. Um, and why? Yeah, I just that that's my thing is that and and I know Mike Bone just got there and I trust Mike Bone more than most people probably do. Yeah, but but that's my thing is that it is very much about perception and I feel like it's very. Uh, you lived there for a little bit. I mean, mm. it's very hard to drive people 
away from oh, yeah. there. I <laughs> no, like, I didn't want to come back. No like, one wants I, to leave. Yeah, love California, but I mean, it's California. Right, but people so are think, leaving. You'd think the kids would want to stay there, and you would think that with, especially with USC, that they'd want to make a coaching change and make a perception change because that's what I think it yeah, is right now. It's is a, a very bad perception problem. But honestly, I think going into it, it's one of those things where people want to go to teams that win. If you have an well, opportunity yeah. to go to, you know, Tuscaloosa versus L.A. is probably a pretty easy thing for a lot of people. But when you want to set yourself up for, you know, playing pro, playing for Nick Saban versus playing for Clay Helton is very different. Oh, and yeah. until they oh, start yeah. showing that they're a That's my formidable point. conference, key. you look at the, the Pac-12. They had two teams at 11-2 and two in Oregon and Utah. But aside of that, out of the rest of their uh, seven bowl-eligible teams, it's USC at eight and four, and then a bunch of six and seven win teams. Mm-hmm. So until they, you know, start to get things together as a conference, it's it's spending and it's getting the right coaches in place. Like I said, I I bummed about the Chris Peterson thing in Washington. I think they had it down here this year, but then they had a good thing going um, overall there. Washington State with Mike Leach has like I think they have some solid teams there i think most it'll be interesting to see what chip kelly does at ucla yeah but like i said i think it's those two schools i think it's ucla usc they got to be able to keep that talent in there i think oregon is what oregon is yeah and they're a decent team they're a good team if you'll have the occasional utah or you know someone pop up right well going from the west coast to the southeast coast from one of the uh worst power five conference to arguably one of the best Mm -hmm. uh in the sec LSU making a statement win. Number two, LSU beating number four, Georgia. 37-10. to 10, uh, Probable Heisman winner, Joe Burrow. 350 yards and four touchdowns. And uh, this win over Georgia in Atlanta was uh, enough to vault LSU to the number one seed in the college football playoff. But, uh, you know, overall, just a, a dominating performance by LSU was up 34 to 3 after 3 quarters. I mean, there I mean, I know you may have your issues Zach with them being number 1, but oh, I don't think there's anything you, you you can't, you know, dismiss that you know, no. they're one of the most complete teams in the country. Oh, no. No, I said yeah, all year I said you could flip them one too. Um no, yeah, it was impressive they did what um not surprised what they did. Honestly, I mean, I thought they were way better than Georgia. I thought it was impressive still be able to do that um i think the more interesting question is where does georgia go from here here yeah. we are again yes you know you had mark Richt, that wasn't good enough kirby smart the prodigal son of nick saban nothing's changed you get to the sec title game and that's it um but yeah no i, I and i think joe burrows it's locked up he's the heisman winner it's over yeah and then that's done uh, congrats to him i mean yeah they did what i was not shocked by the way, they manhandled them. Yeah, I mean, my, my thing with LSU is I think a lot of people get caught up because we're Ohio State people in the whole, you know, we think Ohio State is the better team. Um, don't we? Don't we? With all this, <laughs> don't we? Ohio? I said we back and forth yeah, here. Yeah, he's I pointing to us, you, you not there. you, Mr. Get talent. Get, yeah, get the talent out of here. Um, but no, I, I, I think LSU and Ohio State are very – more equal than them being one or the one is better than the other right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't surprised to see that at all. I think George is a good team too. 
Um, mm. But I would like to see them take that next step because, yeah, I mean, it's every year now. They're recruiting. They've had a top five recruiting class every year for yeah. the last three or four years since Curry Smart's been there, and it's just not come to fruition. You know, I've heard some noise that a lot of Georgia fans are obviously upset between the from, and now you see what Justin – I mean, how's that got a sting? Justin Fields leaves. Yeah. And now he's going to go play in the college football play, possibly get invited to New York. I mean, he's not going to win it, but, you know, he might get invited to New York City. Um, like I said, I think the Georgia thing's more interesting to me. Yeah, it'll be. Yeah, but – Because uh, that's what Mark Rick did for 10 years, and that wasn't good enough. And now when does it not be good enough – for Kirby Smart to do that. It'll be, I mean, it'll be really interesting because, like you said, I mean, they did make it to a championship, you know, did make it to overtime against Alabama, but, you know, I've come up short for a few times, or a few times, but uh, in a weaker SEC East, I think they'll have an opportunity to be there most oh, years. Oh, yeah, I mean, but, this is, yeah. Uh, you know, but all credit goes to to LSU and, unfortunately, another lost season, and with their quarterback going to Ohio State, uh, they will get the opportunity to play, though, the winner of the ACC championship, uh, the third of the three undefeated teams, Clemson putting a wallop, as most people expected, on Virginia. Yo. I thought Virginia 62 was to bit more 17. There. Trevor Lawrence only yeah. had to throw the ball 22 times, had four touchdowns. T. Higgins, almost 200 yards receiving with three touchdowns. I mean, Clemson, you know, hasn't really played. Has played a few like fringe ranked teams, mm-hmm. but they are thirteen to zero. They are the former, you know, national champions. So longest active winning streak. Deserve yeah. to be there. Are going to be at number three, mm-hmm. and uh, you know that's honestly part of the problem. If you don't build up the rest of your conference, then stuff like this happens, and you don't get the number one I mean, seed, and you have to play number two Ohio State. They're the, the dangerous festival. team to me, though. Honestly, Clemson is because you just don't. I don't, yeah, you don't, you don't have any you idea. Have no I idea. think they could either be as good as they were last year, and that's scary, or just good. You know, like, eh. Like, well, and I expected Wisconsin, them to but, get yeah. more of a test, especially the way Virginia played in that Virginia-Virginia right. Virginia Tech game. they were going to come out a little more That fight. was a shootout. That was a crazy offensive game. And then, yeah, it was pretty much a snooze fest on well, their side. And then also, if you look, you know, they had um, – you know, Lawrence wasn't playing well early. You know, only beat Texas A&M by two touchdowns, beat – North Carolina by 21, but since then they've beaten every team by 30, mm-hmm. you know, 30 plus the last, you know, six or seven games. So they are certainly a team that's rounding into form at the right time. And uh, I guess maybe jump into it right now with our little first look at the college football preview. Clemson, Ohio State in the Fiesta Bowl. Clemson, a two point favorite. Zach, what are your mm-hmm. expectations? Oh, um, I guess I don't know. I don't know what to expect because I don't know what Clemson is. It's a, they're an enigma. Um, I guess if I'm trying to think logically and what I know, I like I think the over is like 65 and a half. I think that's too high. This is number one, number two defense in the country. Both offenses are also highly ranked, but I think the defenses have it. I, I think I expect it, you know. 28, 24, something in there. I think it's going to be tough. I think it's going to be high state's going to rely on Dobbins. Interested to see. I don't know what they do with Fields as far as that, because Clemson has a great secondary. Justin Fields is going to have to make some throws. Well, he's going to have to, right. But I don't know if he's putting it up 25 times. Right. I think I would be interested to see. You got this time, right? You got about three, three and a half weeks. I'm interested to see. Let's put a two back set in. Let's bring Master Teague in. 
interesting two back set maybe get a little triple option you mix in there i don't know i i just like mixing it up and having the two backs right just, just having as two a committee both of yeah them back there I, I wouldn't i wouldn't go as far as to say maybe use the word committee um yeah. but but definitely just another Dobbins look that they more, yeah a different seen. look yeah because that's kind of what you got to do now now you have to watch it you see some coaches go way overboard and you're like right i don't think you want to you know keep Dobbins off the field too much and take him out of the game, but definitely when you throw some different looks in there, at mm-hmm. least just to, f- to vary the packages up and throw something right. different at him. See the different alignments. Because that's going to be a lot of this is like both teams trying out some new things yeah. just to keep everyone off balance. Right. I mean, I think Ohio State will win. That's my expectation. But I think it'll be close. I think that'll be that'll be the tough one. That'll be the, the barn burner, uh, hopefully. I mean, I, <laughs> I was there... In Glendale in 16, I was at that game when they put up that egg, and I was very confident going into that one. So we'll see. Hopefully one way or another this will shut Dabo up. Yeah, I think this is – I mean, I think going in this is one of those big momentum games. Don't really know what you have in Clemson, and Ohio State has been one of those teams that have looked a little bit shaky at times in the first half of their last two games, obviously mm-hmm. falling behind against Wisconsin and, you know, giving up some, some – points to michigan and uh clemson's not exactly one of those teams you can take lightly but no, you can't. they'll also have more time to prepare so you're interested mm-hmm. to see how first time you know coach ryan day gets his team ready so far his team has been for for most of the games but that'll be a, a an interesting uh thing to keep track of the next couple of weeks going to the other semifinals oh. and just cleaning up the last uh, big conference championship Oklahoma beating Baylor in what was more or less the de facto uh, play-in game after the Oregon and Georgia losses. Oklahoma beats Baylor twenty or thirty to twenty-three in overtime. That was a good uh, game. Hertz that was a fun game. had two hundred eighty-seven yards passing, a pick, and a touchdown. Ceedee Lamb one hundred and seventy-three yards receiving. Uh, one of the big stories was uh, Charlie Brewer uh, got hurt in the second quarter. Baylor ended up playing three quarterbacks during the course of that game. So, uh, you know, kind of a tough way to end your season for Baylor. Uh, Two losses to Oklahoma, one after blowing a big lead, and one that involved, you know, you losing a couple quarterbacks. But uh, credit goes to Oklahoma. They were able to make the stops when they needed to, score Mm -hmm. points when they needed to, and, you know, they finished up the season 12-1. And and, uh, I don't think anyone's really surprised to have them as the number four team. I think they were the best team of the rest. But uh, mm. certainly going to have their team. It would have been interested to see Bama. I mean, I'm glad they're not. But, um, yeah, I don't think they have a shot in hell, though, in this game. I don't know. Maybe that's writing them off too much. I in the, so uh, just to kind of uh, get, the, get the audience in here, uh, Oklahoma is playing LSU in the Peach Bowl, which uh, I believe is in Atlanta. Yes. So yes. Uh, Peach LSU is... 11-point favorites to open right now versus Oklahoma. Obviously, Joe Burrow and that high-powered offense. Oklahoma has had a better defense this year, but still Big 12 usually. It's still not that say, good. you know, Big 12 bad defense. So you've already said you don't really expect a game. Josh, what are your thoughts going into this game? Um, excuse me. Uh, the Baylor-Oklahoma game is probably the least of my worries for the playoff. Um I don't know. I think both games are going to be some lower scoring games. I'd even expect the man. I cannot speak right now. All I'd even right. expect the uh, the Baylor and Oklahoma game to maybe even or excuse me, um, 
Oklahoma and LSU. Baylor is out, Josh. <laughs> they didn't make uh, Oklahoma and LSU to even outscore the Clemson Ohio State game. Um, oh, so really? I'll. I may, think maybe I do. I expect them both to be low yeah. scoring games. I think you're on pace there with the 20 to 24 area for the Let's Ohio see, the State LSU, game. I think LSU is going to railroad Oklahoma. I don't think Oklahoma knows what's coming. I think they're going to, I mean, Alex Grinch, good defensive mind, but Ohio that's, State got rid of him after one year for that's a reason. When I, when I say they, this, yeah. they might out, that game might outscore the Ohio State Clemson oh, oh, game. I, I mean, LS, meant, LSU might just throttle Oklahoma. And oh, they I them, thought you meant score look like the same amount. Sorry, I missed Oh, no, sorry. Okay, yeah. yeah, that's what I'm thinking, yeah. No, yeah, I, I think that it isn't really going to be a close game. It could be a low-scoring game, maybe. I don't think it'll be low. Um, it could be. No, I think LSU gives up yards. Oklahoma gives up yards. I think both teams will score, but it's a question of scoring some versus scoring a lot. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah exactly. I don't think Oklahoma gets shut out. I think it's cool that Jalen Hurts gets to flip the, the bird to Nick while he's on his couch. Well, <laughs> that's certainly one way to look at it. And uh, before we end this segment, I'm going to put both of you two on the spot. Zach, oh, man, college like, football playoff final and national champion. I'm going to guess. Already? All right. Uh, we'll revisit this later. You can change your mind, but we want your first look at the bracket my right hot, now. My hot take? My hot take? Your hot take. Uh, national championship game, I think it's the one that everybody wants. Ohio State, LSU. Um, I would go Ohio State. I just, again, I think they can score 40 on anybody. I don't know that most teams can score 40 on them. Uh, I'm going to go... 42-32. For the final, Josh, what are you looking at? Um, I, Yeah, I definitely think Ohio State and LSU are in the final. At least I hope uh, Ohio State and LSU God, are in the final. They lose to Clemson again. I'm just going to And I think uh, LSU wins by a touchdown. Um, I, won't give, I won't give a final score, um, but I think LSU wins by a touchdown. Traitor. I know you're Greg I'm just being has realistic. been like Greg's like bubbling over. Yeah, I've been over like here trying to like smiling. catch my breath from my cough fit and Greg's over here. Go about ahead, to let me have it, Greg. Out of his hoodie. Let's hear your crazy take. All Tigers championship. Ooh. Ohio State has shown an inability to beat Clemson over the last so many years. I think Clemson's gonna come out angry. Dabo is a psycho at times, he's a prima donna at times, but oh, he's yeah. a heck of a motivator. I think they come in. I think the Clemson Tigers win the national championship 38-31 over the LSU Tigers. I got the Clemson Tigers as my national champion. I and think, now, I think now the sports, that book, sports book did a high state of favor, though, making them an underdog. Easy bulletin board material. That uh, could be. That could be easy money. All right, so uh, now that I've pissed off Zach yes, enough for one segment, uh, we're going to go from the best of the college ranks to the worst of the pro ranks we're talking divisions we're talking the nfl and the nfc east or the nfc least uh right now it is more or less a dumpster fire you got the game uh monday night with the eagles against the giants you got the uh game coming back for eli manning but right now you have um, Dallas at six and seven, uh, Philly at five and seven. Washington just got eliminated, but they lost to Green Bay. They're at three and ten, and the Giants are at two and ten. Um, 
I guess there are really two questions about this. Uh, one, who do you think wins the? Who do you think loses the least? And by that I mean who do you think wins this division? And then I guess it also turns into the. Do you, do you think that team deserves to host a home playoff game with the winner probably at 8-8? Eight and eight? Oh, um, God, I'd love to see Philly just fucking take this thing. I don't know why. It'd just be hilarious. Uh, yeah, that's kind of what I want to do uh, see Philly get it. Um, Let me check the schedule. <laughs> but but I in my notes here, I have um, uh, – the NFC East, what is it? Where did it come from? And how do we get rid of it? <laughs> so just uh, um, just to give you a little it's just awful. quick update, uh, the Cowboys play uh, home against the Rams, mm-hmm. at the Eagles, and then home against the Washington or, think- I'm sorry. Yeah, home against the Washington Redskins to end their season. The Eagles have two games against the Giants, at the Redskins, and home against the Cowboys. So think, all divisional games. I think the Eagles, the Eagles get it. Because I think they just have to beat Dallas once, and then you have to beat the Redskins and Giants twice. Yeah, I don't, and I think the Cowboys could lose to LA. That's a very real possibility. The based Cowboys, on the way man, ev- every single year, everyone hypes the Cowboys up, and they either they do either do okay or they do great, and then they get to December and just oh, yeah. have an absolute Jason Garrett meltdown. is the worst. The coach in December. I, you've you've wasted so much with Jason Garrett and the way ten Jerry Jones years. the way the way Jerry Jones is handled has it really been ten it's years? Ten, I didn't know that either. Oh, I saw it the other day when they goodness. were talking. Like he got ten years. Like God, it makes Marvel. I mean, ten years. Yeah, he's been there. Oh nine with Jerry Jones. Like that's what blows my mind. You gave him plenty of time. Yeah, I, you had plenty, plenty to work with. I don't know how you're the Cowboys and you have been this bad. Every year, at the same, I, like I don't care how good you've started in years past. Whenever you get to this point in the season, it's just an absolute this implosion, is- and everyone's always caught so off guard by it. <laughs> it happens every year. It's been happening since Romo. So, oh, yeah. and going off of that, say the Cowboys or the Eagles make it. Right now in the NFC West, we're recording before the Sunday night game, so we have the 49ers at 11 and two, and the Seahawks at 10 and 2. So one of them will finish with a better record than the winner of the NFC East, possibly 4 to 5 games better. Right. No, I, I know there was some talk about reseeding that Adam Schefter reported today got shut down, but do you believe that a division winner that finishes under 500 should host a 12-win team in the playoffs? Uh logically, no, but yeah, I think it's I think it's wrong, but I think fixing it and reseeding the playoffs is. I mean, if you uh, want to go purely best idea. record, okay, it's too messy. It, it is it, yeah. it is what it is. I'm sorry, it's, you have to win your division and you're guaranteed. To yeah, like there's still there's still division. Like yeah, their record sucks, but they're still divisional champions, and yeah, it's about it's, the divisional champions. I, I, you know, I think they the blow the whole thing, system up and just have a full conference then. Yeah, I think the one That's thing that, you can do uh, that then if you want to do record. You have an issue with, with the NFL, unlike other sports, is you only have 16 games. So you're only playing so many of the teams mm-hmm. every year. And right. it seems like, you know, divisions go up and down every year. And some of it depends on, you know, if you're the division that's playing, you know, the if you're the NFC division that's playing the worst <laughs> AFC division – Maybe all of your teams are a little bit better because they get to beat up on a division. Right. But if you're a you know a 
division that has to play the toughest AFC division, then sometimes that kind of hurts because strength of schedule is actually a big deal in the NFL because you don't play everyone, you know. Right, yeah. In the season, you only play, you know, half the league basically, not even half the league. So you only play 12 different teams or – yeah, so – I it's just, really kind of a... Nothing's perfect. It sucks. But unless you want to go basketball and just do conferences... I mean, you know, they have their division. But seating's all based on overall Yeah, but at that point, you're probably, you know, playing... Probably playing no one twice. And you're probably going to have to change no, everything No, no, I, so. I don't... You don't do that. That's my point. It is what it is. It'd be way too messy to try and fix yeah. this problem that happens every couple years, maybe. You know, I mean, the way I look at it is you had an opportunity to win your division. You don't worry about the other teams. Divisions. Exactly. Tough. Yeah. Tough. Yeah. You you know you had to win yours. You didn't. Yeah. Yeah. So people so, can complain. I, before we move on from this, I did want to tie it back to Ohio real quick because there are some very strong rumors uh, that Urban Meyer is in the running to be uh, the next head coach at Dallas. And I don't know if Greg's like throwing up into his sweatshirt or something or doesn't like this idea. They are just rumors, but they do seem to be picking up some. Uh, validity to them i think this goes back to our earlier conversation with john beeline mm-hmm. um you know yeah i understand having nothing to prove in college and wanting to go to the nfl but at this point at the you know at urban meyer's age at what he's you know accomplished having to pretty much you know start from scratch in the nfl right. i think really can only hurt his legacy at this point yeah. and it's probably not work that he wants to do he knows how to be a successful college coach i, I don't see it in the nfl and maybe Jerry would go after him, but I think if if any honestly if any college coach goes to Dallas, which I really don't see happening, it's probably Lincoln Riley. But I see Jerry's been a guy to hire some some safe coaches, whether it be Jason Garrett or something. Well, like I mean, that. he's hired college coaches before and had some success with that Switzer, Jimmy Johnson. Um, I agree with Greg. It totally goes back to that. But that's I, the one list I saw, and from everything I've heard, this is literally. What's been reported out is their top three. It was Urban Meyer, Lincoln Riley, and I can't remember the third one, but he was a college coach too. And I'm thinking, you know, from what those reports were, that's literally their top three. That's that's yeah, official. I, that's and I was I'm, like, whoa. That's now, what I'm saying. Is first at first these were just rumors, but now it seems like they that's are their, after that's them. their actual list. And I don't want Urban Meyer to do it, but he has said on multitude of occasions. You can never pass up the Cowboys job. That's the one job. I don't think it would work out. I think, dude, you're. I think he's great. And I know that's probably biased, but I think he's great on Fox. But I think he does a good job doing that. Seems like yeah. it's fun. You, what more do you have to prove in college? Nothing, in my opinion. And then, like Greg said, the NFL that that transition is just so different. He has no experience at the NFL level. Um, why? Just enjoy your retirement, man. Yeah, that's what I just enjoy it. You know, you you have a great. Uh, that's what I would hate to see is his legacy get ruined. Yeah. Um, so. Well, plus, I, what's with the Cowboys? If I'm a Cowboys fan, I'm pissed. Even if it's Lincoln Riley or oh yeah, well, no, no, go get me a co- a, a guy who's coaching the NFL, knows the NFL. It's a whole different ball game. Mike McCarthy would probably be a good fit there. I would keep throwing his name around, but he's still out there. He's still out there. He's won a Super Bowl. He knows how to get you there. Um, that was more shocking to me was the full list. I was like, really? Nobody, nobody in the NFL? No. Not, <laughs> not a Marvin Lewis. <laughs> that's, that's just Jason Garrett. Like, oh, God. Yeah, that's basically, yeah. that's basically the same guy. That's the Spider-Man meme right there. Except offense well, and defense, but yeah. Um, 
Going from one football league to another football league, from the NFL to the XFL, uh, we wanted to make sure that we mentioned this right away. Let's see, uh, who, who wore it best? The yeah. XFL. Best? Yeah, it's who wore it best. XFL released their uniforms this week. And uh, just to keep you up to speed, if you missed one of our earlier episodes, we picked our XFL teams earlier. Zach took the DC Defenders and Cardale Jones. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Josh took the New York Guardians. And uh, I took the St. Louis Battlehawks. So, uh, guys, all the uh, new uniforms, and we're going to put it up on Twitter at 30 Rack Sports. Who wore it best? Who do you think has the best uniforms? My guard, or my. <laughs> Let me start over. My defenders uniforms are boring as hell. They look like a peewee oh, football really? team. Really? I mean, they're all right. Yeah, I don't they're know. Just, they're, they're just, just very the generic. Um, I thought the Guardians, New York Guardians, are like the cool. I don't know. It's the gray, and I like the I like the stripes on top. Yeah, they they have. They first tight. off, I love the logo uh, and mm-hmm. the helmet. Uh, mm-hmm. The helmet on the logo is sweet. And then yeah, it's. It's like it's very modern, but then like the yeah. the shoulder stripes keep it very vintage. Right. Uh, the color scheme with the, uh, the gray, gray the light red. gray, black yeah. and red. I really like those. Uh, yeah, I really love them. I I loved uh, the DC ones. I thought they were I thought they were cool. I, I don't hate them. Cool. I love DC's logo. It's just the color scheme, I guess, is more what it was. It's just kind of. I thought I thought, I thought they we would had, have some blue in there. Honestly. I thought we had the. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I thought the three of us, our three teams, had the best. Uniforms. Um, mm, that's fair. Yeah, I thought that. Yeah, the, some the of battle, them get a little. The Battle Hawks, maybe not the uh, best. You well, like unis as far as shirt and pants, but definitely the best helmets with the with the wings on the sides. Yes. Yeah, I think they really awesome. stepped up. And uh, so we're gonna put those three teams out there. Anyone? Any other um, honorable mentions? I think the though the team name and the logo were kind of dumb. I think the overall uniform for the LA Wildcats is pretty clean. I like the yellow. Yeah. I like the the red and black. I think the shoulder piping. I'm still mad about the name because I thought LA they could have done so many cooler. I don't know. That's a whole other story. But yeah. yeah, I like the Dallas Renegades. I just like their color scheme. I like the Dallas Renegades color scheme. I like the the logo. The Roughnecks really brings a lot of classic NFL elements in. You have. I think it's a little too busy. It's like the what? the gray with the gray I helmets. Think, I do think the, the colors are a little out there. Um, I did, but the logo wise, I like what they went with. Um, but yeah, <laughs> color wise, it is a little all over the place. Uh, uh, the worst one is definitely the Vipers. Oh, a lot yeah. of green. It's, it's dark green on uh, like. Lime green and then so. yellow. Yeah, it's green, green, and yellow. Mm-hmm. So if you're not a, uh, if you're not that kind of color palette guy, they're definitely very off putting. Dragons, I say, yeah. would also be at the bottom of the list for me. The Seattle Dragons. I think the Dragons have one yeah. of the best logos, but yeah, they yes, did not I'd put agree it well. With you there. So uh, we're gonna put that up on Twitter. Probably have the um, the Renegades and then our three teams. We're gonna let you decide. Who has the best uniforms? So we'll be excited, ready for the first XFL games right after the Super Bowl starts. Uh, can never go wrong with a little bit of if extra you're, if football. If you're the Renegades, Coming do the you corner. not have Eminem and Jay-Z come perform Renegades before the game? No. You're probably going to have to get a little bit more money to you, do you that. You walk out. Uh, yeah, that's why <laughs> that's you call fair. up Sticks and you walk out to Sticks, Renegade. Uh, yeah, you could get them a, a couple shekels cheaper. Well, couple shackles, now that we've <laughs> now that we've done our fashionista segment, uh, time to get over to some national segments. Some national segments, uh, yeah. 
We got a we got a few good national segments this this week. We've had some good segments overall this week, and we'd love to have your input on all of these segments and questions we ask and the scenarios we go through in our segments. So please let us know. We like uh, interaction. We yeah, don't get a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Social media. Share our page. Share our podcast at uh, at Thirty Rack Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. All righty. So for our first national segment, we're going to go back to some uh, hot stove, and we're going to do nationally. Guys, nationally, who are the type, top five MLB free agents this year? Uh, we got signed or unsigned. I know some of the some say, of the some top of mine guys. Signed. Yeah, that wasn't Zach Wheeler stuff like that. Who might be up near the top He's five? On my um, list, but yeah. Zach, we're going to start with you, Zach. Whoa. Who are your top five? All right, my top five. I'm going to go with uh, Anthony Rendon, number one. Uh, Garrett Cole, two, Zach Wheeler, three, and then uh, Strasburg, and then uh, Yasmani Grandal. Uh, just a little, if you want me to hit on real quick. Um, I always, I'm always, I'm a big position player guy. I think they play every day. To me, that's the most important. Yeah. Um, so that's why I gave Randon a bit above Garrett Cole. Um, Wheeler Strasburg are pretty similar. They're pretty flipped, but I feel Wheeler's a little younger, a little less mileage on his arm. That's why I think he's worth more. And then Grandall, probably a bit higher than you'll see him on most lists. I think he's usually like 9 or 10. I put them up because he's a great offensive catcher. And honestly, besides that NLCS um, situation, he's he grades out as not a bad defensive catcher. Yeah, he went to, he went to the uh, White Sox, right? Yeah, yeah, but he's actually a pretty good, you know, solid defender. Oh, yeah. and he's a, probably one of the best uh, offensive catchers in the game. So I think that bumps him up to 5 for me. Uh, Josh, we're going to head over to you. Who do you have as your top five free agents? Yeah, number one, I got Garrett Cole. Uh, I think it's looking increasingly likely that he goes to the Yankees, but we'll see. Uh, Number two, I have Anthony Rendon at number two. Um, That's more of a toss-up, although, I mean, on paper, it makes the most sense for him to go to the Rangers. Um, He's from Texas. Mm -hmm. Um, That'd be – they kind of – they're opening the new stadium. Yeah, I mean that's that seems like if you're trying to kick why? off the second phase of your career, it seems like a you know a home run, if you will. Yeah. Uh, Zach Wheeler at number three, and I'm with you here. I also share that same like I value the position players more, um, and I think right here you could have gone Zach Wheeler or Steven Strasburg. It depends on which team. You know, do you do you need do you want to try and give a long term huge deal to Zach Wheeler, which is sounding. Right. Uh, which which is pretty much what happened. Yeah. Um, or do you want to go with Strasburg, who, like you said, has a little bit more mileage on his arm, couple uh, years aging. older. Um, I actually left Strasburg off my Did top you? five list. Well, um, he's won 100 mil- 180 million, is what they're saying. Right. Uh, so, and I just don't think I just don't think that's worth it. Um, yeah. I think I think he's a good free agent, definitely like one of the best top gets end. this year. Yeah. But I, I do think you're wasting a little bit in contract there. Um, so number four, um, number four, this is my dark horse, Didi Gregorius. Ooh, that's um, a good one, yeah. Definitely, you know, starting to break out again. Um, I think if you get him into the, like, I want the Reds to sign him so bad because he I'm come, shocked the Yankees don't have any interest in even bringing I, him yeah. back on a... I, yeah, I'm surprised they don't have any interest at all. I think he's, you know, he's still young. Um, I think it'd be great for, for the Reds for him to circle back where he started his career with, and right. especially with the developmental upgrades the Reds have now. You know, well, plus he's playoff 
testing. He's proven he can hit in the playoffs. Yeah. So, and again, a position player. And the the market for shortstops right now is very slim mm-hmm. this year. Very, very slim. So that's why yeah. he might not be the best free agent. But when you look at the market right now, I right. think he's he's really that adds a lot of value to him right yeah. there. Um, and then number five, I have uh, Nick Castellanos. Mm. Um, I think that could be a good get out there. You know, um, he might be a guy I could see the market not really materializing for. Yeah, um, it's interesting um, what could happen with him mm-hmm. there because I think you could you could see like a surprise big deal there, or that could be a guy where you kind of hanging around, hanging around, and you wait out Late to the January, end and get him for right. a deal. Um, so my last two picks there are kind of based on you know value, mm-hmm. but. That's a good list. Those are my like top five. Um, I'm going to go a little bit uh, on the other side of you guys, and I'm actually going to go with Strasburg as my number one. Ooh, what? Because what? I Hot think, take of the week. <laughs> because I think he, during the late season in the playoffs, made himself the best pitcher on the Nationals, which is saying a lot comparatively to uh, – you know, having Max Scherzer yeah. in there. Yeah. He's a guy that has shown he can do it in the World Series, everywhere else. I put him ahead of Garrett Cole because, honestly, I just have my worries about those uh, those Astros pitchers away well, from Houston. that's a good what point. Kind of, true, what kind yeah. of stuff's going there? I but still, still put arm. Yeah, he, well. He's got mileage. He does have the mileage, but I think he's one of those guys that can be the best pitcher, be a Cy Young candidate pretty much every year mm-hmm. uh you know cole i saw him a little bit up and down but i think he's still number two uh three is rendon rendon had some injury issues early in his career but has, yeah. has kind of come along so he's definitely well, the big a knock with him very good get and then i will go with um four i'm gonna actually go with dd as well i think it's important i think shortstop is still a very important position yeah. and i think having a guy that can hit especially from the left side of the plate at shortstop is important and then uh, five was kind of a toss-up for me between um, Ozuna and uh, Castellanos. I'm going to go with Ozuna because I think his just body of work is better. I think mm-hmm. Castellanos had a better um, end of his season, but I think Ozuna's been better overall. I left Wheeler off just because I-, I would like to see him be a little bit more of a top-of-the-rotation arm. He did kind of, you know get the benefit of the doubt of being kind of a, a three or a four in that rotation. Right. I still think he's a very good pitcher. I, I would love if any of the teams that I like would pick him up, but, you know, mm-hmm. uh, he, he would probably be in at number seven for me. I thought the interesting thing I read about Rendon, though, is there's a lot of questions on how much he really likes baseball. I guess there's a lot of, really? report, <clears throat> a lot of reports came out about um, he, he said it's, it's a job. It's not a passion. He says it's boring to watch. He doesn't like to watch it otherwise. It's purely a job, and he wants to retire early, a lot of people think. So that's why there's been some questions on what kind that's of— interesting. How long term of a deal will he get? Yeah, and that's the question. Maybe he gets the one big payday, and then when he's done, he's done. Well, that's so. what people Cause feel, Because I'm, yeah. I'm talking—like, if we're talking, like, based off of purely, like, overall baseball rating, I think right. that Rendon is the best seven position more player. last yeah. year, yeah. yeah I, mean, I think he's seven. the best position player yeah. available right now. To, I just so thought to that, hear was that, a, that was just an interesting But honestly, the one, a little bothersome. Yeah. the one interesting thing with that is, I mean, baseball's kind of gone up away from that in the last couple of years, but the one thing that you may not have to worry about if he wants to retire early is getting the, you know, the Pujols or the Miggy or mm-hmm. even to some degree the Joey Votto contract where they're under contract right. till they're 41 and they're not, you know, they're right. not producing at that he value. He might be willing just to take a four or five Yeah, year. maybe, yeah. you know, even 
heck, even maybe a seven-year deal when he's 37, you know, get out there. So 12 years or whatever. That could certainly be something to kind of, uh, you know, look around and, and figure out as winter meetings and the hot stove hopefully heats up a little bit winter more this year. this week, right? They start on Monday. Yeah, I believe Tomorrow. they start this week. So. I'm excited. That's the best time. I didn't, I didn't know. you. We could just go. Oh, yeah, yeah, you can just go. Oh, yeah. We should go. We should do a show. We'll go. We'll pop down. We'll catch a red eye down to Florida. <laughs> yeah. Or no, they're in San Diego. I I've, got all, I've got all the vacation time in the world. We should be fine. <laughs> so uh, going from um, one thing that's, ho- that's uh, heating up, we're going to the NFL playoffs where things start to get cold as the playoff picture comes around. Uh, doing a little bit of predictions here. Um, some of the NFC and AFC are kind of uh, figured out here, but I guess I just want to hear from you guys. Who do you think are the two wild card teams from each conference, and then uh, who do you think is the real dark horse in the playoffs? Maybe someone that's a lower division, someone that's going to play on wild card weekend more than likely that could maybe make a run. Josh, I'll start with you. Um, wild card teams in the AFC. I am going. Uh, it's hard. It's hard to tell what's going to happen in the AFC East. Um, I think the Bills end up as a wild card, though. Um, and then, uh, by the looks of it, as we are recording right now, uh, the Titans, I think, might be able to squeak out a wild card. Um, It'll be interesting to see what happens in the AFC North. I think the AFC North is too unpredictable for the Steelers to finish uh, their season winning out. Um, but as we say that the Steelers are also uh, winning right now. Um, so if both of those go on to win, that could be a toss-up. Uh, but I do see the Bills as my dark horse in the AFC, though. NFC uh, NFC is a toss-up. NFC is a big toss-up. I think the Seahawks and Rams, though for wild card um zach what about you um afc obviously buffalo and then you know i think tennessee probably i think buffalo and tennessee are in there um and now you're talking dark or you're asking like who go all the way yeah who in the who in the playoffs that maybe dangerous yeah that's maybe not the you know the top top two two teams yeah um I still think Kansas City. That's exactly I where think, I was going to go. I That's think exactly their defense has improved. I think, you know, obviously they have still future Hall of Famer Patrick Mahomes. Um, I think that would be my dark horse. And some people might say boo. But I think this year they've been kind of under the radar. Yeah, they've been very bit. under the radar. Um, NFC, it's tough. I think you got. I think you got Vikings. I'm going to go Vikings, Seahawks, um, and the wild card. And then dark horse. I'm gonna go with my Packers. I think they are a dark horse. I don't. I don't think. I think. Uh, no, that's not fair. Never mind. They they have to play San Francisco again and San Fran. They just cannot play on the left coast. I already know that. Um, I'll go Seattle. Out there, on the NFC. Okay, so I'm I'm kind of similar with you where I have you know Buffalo and and probably Tennessee with with the Chiefs doing some stuff, but I think the one interesting team to maybe take a another look at is um, Minnesota. Well, I think I, I, I think, can't do it. Though, yeah, you can, I, I know you can't Minnesota. do that. I, can't I know you do can't it. do that. <laughs> but I'm going to do Minnesota just because I think they're a team that has a good enough defense. I think they can really play ball control offense oh, with Dalvin Cook and everything. Yeah. I think they have a great offense, mm-hmm. and 
though Kirk Cousins isn't very good on primetime, I think he's good enough and he's got enough talent around him that, uh, you know, I wouldn't be shocked to see, you know, the Vikings, Make you know, a winning run. a couple games yeah. in the playoffs. It would it would kill me. It would kill so. me. But, yeah, I think they're – that's pretty fair. All righty. To finish things off before our closers – uh, we're going to do one more college football playoff segment. We're going to do some final answers. And I've already asked you guys for your predictions. So we're going to go in a little bit of a different avenue here. College football playoffs. One, do you think they got it right? Mm-hmm. And two, would you change anything going forward in the college football playoff? Whether it's... Um, you know, what you need to get into the college football playoff, whether it be only, you know, only conference championships, would you expand it? What would you expand it to? Uh, Zach, first off, do you think they got it right? And would you change anything going forward? No, they didn't get it right. I mean, the four teams, yeah. Um, I'll nitpick. I, I, I still have not seen a valid opinion on why LSU is ranked out of us. I'm not. Um, I don't understand. And just in general, Mike Greenberg and those of you out there who think, I don't know. Understand why that the concept of Ohio State being number one is unfounded in any way, shape, or form. Um, no, I don't think they got that right. Yeah, I'd agree with you because, like, there on paper, there's so many reasons when you look at the stats and you know the strength schedule. And on paper, FPI, you're like, oh, the Buckeyes, everything. The Buckeyes should be the number one team. Yeah. And then everyone's like, oh, no way, man! Like, how could you think that LSU's easily the number what? one team? It's so obvious. It's like if it's so obvious, then show me why it's so. I haven't obvious. heard a single yeah where Ohio State fans are out there listing every. But that's nitpicking. I'll admit, it's nitpicking. Um. Overall, they got it right. Those are the four teams, I think. Clemson, Ohio State, LSU. You could make an argument one way or another. Any one of those three should be number one, number two, number three. And then Oklahoma, I feel like, kind of just got in on a... um, They were just left, and there was no way they were going to put Bama in. I feel like um, what I would fix... I feel like this, I mean expansion. You yeah. go, you go eighteen. You go eight teams. You either make the AAC a Power Five, or you do five. You know your five conference champions, your Power Five, a group of five. You know whoever's the highest ranked, and then two wild cards, um, at large, whatever you want to call them. That makes the most sense. Um, that'd be cool. That first weekend, uh, the team, the the highest seed gets to play at your home stadium. That would be really fun. Uh, like this, I think I think that adds more intrigue to like Bama having to go to Happy Valley or a cold weather. Pl- you know, what I'm saying like something you never see in yeah, December. That would be really cool. You wonder if those teams are even built for cold weather. Because if mean. you're at Wisconsin, you have to be able to play. You know, in the Sugar Bowl or whatever on turf or Indian, Indian Indianapolis yeah. on turf, but also you have to play in Camp Randall or you know, Minneapolis in 10 degree weather where it's snowing sideways. So. Swirling wind. That's my point. That's, I think that was always the big thing. You know, SEC fans like to talk crap and it's always been like, well, we don't see you guys come north in November. You know, we come to you. So that would be my, that would be what I would change. Um, I, I'm going to, I'm going to table any changes to the playoff for next week. Cause I could go on all day about that. Um, but, uh, I think, I think they got the four teams, right? I don't like that. Oklahoma was just kind of like, 
I, like they kind of got in off of process f- of elimination. I feel that, like that is, yeah. Um, you That's know, basically what I said. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, I, I agree with you. There's no like concrete like yes, this is exactly why LSU because for the past two weeks, what's weird to me is that at LSU's high point is when they changed Ohio State. Right, they flipped and they them. were in Ohio State was they were one. more complete and they been. Yeah. And, and then these past two weeks. They yeah. went back and they were like, all right, Ohio State's or LSU's the number one team. And then they went back again. And for the past couple of weeks, it's been Ohio State. And then they both won. Yeah. And then it switched again. It's, so I don't know. It's being nitpicky. Yeah. I, but I agree. I just, there's not been a concrete reason. And the idea that it's absurd that Ohio State should be considered number one well, is and I think, shocking. I think you look at like a team like Oregon, like Oregon had to play Auburn like the second or third week mm-hmm. and like you know Auburn's not like a monster or anything but that still is a pretty tough game right early in the year if you look at like if they would have scheduled like you look at some of these teams playing Wofford in November in the SEC yeah if 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 Oregon doesn't schedule themselves I admire them oh, for yeah. their tough schedule but if they were to have that November game against Wofford like some of these teams right. in the SEC do then you know what Oregon's looking at, you know, a 12 and 1 season and yeah, you definitely yeah. put them Well, in that's four. my point too. Everybody needs to be on the same conference schedule. I think it's BS. The SEC schedules like week 11 games against right. And Wofford when Ohio State has to go to Happy Valley or Penn State has to go to Columbus and you're playing back to back to back tough right. games have, and they get I'm a saying. little break. It's unfair cuz you have schools like Oregon who are willing to give to make yeah. the very entertaining and tougher schedule. And, yeah, they lost that game to Auburn, but it wasn't a bad loss, and it's Auburn, and it's early in the year. Meanwhile, the SEC is playing, you know, Southern and Watford and all these other schools. Because the Big Ten does not allow you to schedule FCS opponents anymore. They got rid of that. So, and that's the thing. That's what I'm saying. Like, Ohio State hasn't played an FCS opponent. LSU had to play an FCS opponent. Like, it's not the end of the world, but there's those little scheduling things in there and the competitive balance of things. That, like, I think really screwed the four seed up this year. Yeah. So I would say the one thing that the committee has done year after year is they have valued the SEC looking good, looking over. good, looking good late, <laughs> looking good late, as the Ohio SEC State knows, over. because they got in over Baylor and TCU, TCU that first year because they looked good in the conference oh, championship. Oh, yeah, they whooped They ass. did not look good against Virginia Tech week two, but they did not hold that against them. And I think that's the problem. That's why LSU got the one seeds because they looked the best in their conference championship game. Yeah. They liked Oklahoma because Oregon had a really bad loss to a not very good Arizona State well, game. Yeah. Arizona State team late in the season. And the Kansas State game was kind of in the middle of the season. Right. You know, the Arizona State game was two weeks ago. And I think Just that's one of the reasons why you have to have every conference in because I feel like conferences yeah. get these narratives, even though they barely play each other, of – Who's better mm-hmm. and who's not better? I think having everyone in is makes sense. Makes the most yes. sense. And I know a lot of the Ohio State fans are probably going to kill me for it, but based on what they've done, LSU looked better in their conference championship game. Ohio State was down twenty-one to seven, and I understand it's not fair and it doesn't make the most sense because I feel like game in and game out, um, Ohio State's looked better because you know they uh, LSU had some tough games against Texas. And everything else. I think if you were if if you had a full season and you had everything the way it should be, Ohio Mm -hmm. State should probably be number one. But based on the way the committee's done it, year in and year out, LSU. I'm not arguing with you on that. I'm more. I guess my whole point was that's nitpicking. I don't care the way. Like I said last night, 
you have to beat two of the three other teams in it anyway, so it doesn't matter when you play them. Um, I'd rather have a I'd rather have a whole three weeks to get ready for Clemson than like a week and a half. So um, also um, to go back to your point about Alabama or whoever said Alabama, which one of you two? If you would rather have a Mac Jones Alabama team over a Jalen Hurts Oklahoma team in the playoffs, no, you must just, be out your yeah, that'd be damn. Insane. I, didn't, I, I didn't say that. I did. But I didn't say I would rather. I just said, in a sense, the only other logical oh, yeah. option oh, right. yeah. was Alabama, and obviously you're going to take the Big Twelve See, winner. And that's the thing. Um, if if you had, you know, if you had an, if you say had an eighteen playoff, Memphis would probably have to go to Columbus or, or Baton Rouge. Baton Rouge yeah. So I mean, it'd be a tough game, and obviously losing their coach, you don't know exactly how that would work. But it would be interesting to see. I'm they stack up at least try to to some of the UCF teams, but then you'd probably get a four or five game of Oregon, uh, Oklahoma, which would be a very interesting. That would game. be a very interesting. And then one. you know the two other teams would have to face some decent power. Five, you know, maybe Clemson would have to face. Penn State or something like that. Or Ohio Wisconsin, State would have to yeah. face Florida or something. You know, yeah. just something. Maybe Wisconsin instead right. of Penn State. But I think it would just be something that would add so well, much more. You just wouldn't have all the debate. Every you get, oh, It's be like basketball. You win your conference, you're in. Well, I think that's been almost the appropriate amount of uh, belly aching. But now we're going to get into our closers. Uh, at the end, we have a lot of issues, especially in Ohio sports as uh, hardened Ohio sports fans. So uh, first off, we're going to start with Zach's zingers. Zach, what are you zinging about? Oh, I had a tough, I had a tough time coming up with this week, guys. Um, I decided I'm going to go with the Tim Ryan 49ers radio analyst situation. Um, was it last weekend? Yeah, last oh, weekend. Was it just last weekend? Uh, those who don't know, he made some comments stating, you know, they're breaking down Lamar Jackson and the Ravens versus the Niners and how Lamar Jackson is able, you know, with the fake handoffs and different things like that, mentioned that the ball is close to his skin color, so that can make it difficult for people to pick up the ball. Instant backlash. Um, he was suspended at least one game at this, this past game. Um, don't know how much for that's going to go. I, I feel bad for the guy. I think everybody jumped down on him. You know, Richard Sherman's come out in his defense saying he could have used better words, but he's kind of right. Yeah, and, I mean, and, he could have he could have said it a little bit more yeah. elegantly than he did, but, but yeah, like, at a certain point, like... I don't know. It's hard. We do this once a week. These guys are on the radio all yeah. the time. It's hard not to... I yeah, mean, and I don't think in any... There's context, and then there's still substance. You can tell what he meant to say. He wasn't trying to make a racial point. It was just... Right, I mean, the fact of the matter is, is that... It is? I mean... <laughs> yeah, when you have yeah. that kind of platform, you just can't say no, something I like that. No, I agree, you can't. And you hope that he learns from it. But, but at the same time, I think the backlash was way overboard, once again. Outrage culture. Outrage culture. Cancel culture. Well, Zach's zinging some cancel culture at this point, Josh. What are you jeering? Uh, my jeer is the Dr. Pepper Halftime Challenge. Uh, for those of you unfamiliar, the Dr. Pepper Halftime Challenge is where two people line up and they have to throw the ball, what is it, like seven yards? They don't throw Maybe it. Maybe ten yards. They yeah, don't it throw might be it. ten yards, but they have to get it into a hole in, in a big, know, in a big, yeah, in a big Dr. Pepper can. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, as many balls as you can get in there. Whoever wins gets $100,000 of tuition money. Um, 
couple layers to this. One, <laughs> they don't have to throw the football like a football. No. They just, they like push. Chest pass Yeah, it they in. chest pass it in, which is ridiculous. That's, yeah. Like, yeah, that's easy. We like, me and Greg throw, were talking about that last night. Throw the football like a real man. You yeah, know? make him throw 30 yard th frozen <laughs> ropes for $100,000. <laughs> right. I would pay to see The second layer to that. this, where have we come as a society to where that like an entire arena is is cheering on these two kids to win $100,000 so they can maybe be out of debt from wanting to have a higher education. We're just a few short years from Hunger Games. What does it say to uh, about us as a society to where kids are entering a soda pop football throwing competition to win $100,000 for tuition and that might not cover it? <laughs> Like, that's insane. It'll be Where good for we, books like, and stuff. Like, I, I hate to get, you know, political and everything and all the candidates saying, like, oh, well, we'll, make, we'll make college tuition go down and everything. Someone do it, please, because we should not have to have this type of competition. <laughs> it is sad. I never thought of it that like, way. It's actually, like, if you really think about it, the Dr. Pepper challenge is pretty screwed up. It is, like, it is. We live in a dark time <laughs> if this is what we're having to do to pay I'm, for college. I'm still more upset about the chest passing thing than the overarching uh, sociological yeah, aspect uh, of it. Dystopian. Greg, go grumble yeah, for us. And that's kind of how it goes sometimes. You at least see the chest passing, but sometimes uh. there's a lot more to it. Um, for my grumble, I'm going to grumble about fans and what they think they can do and what mm, they think is yes. okay. Um, some of this goes back, uh, if none of you are fans of uh, football across the pond, uh, there was the Manchester Derby, which is the inner city matchup between uh, Manchester United and Manchester City. Uh, it was at Manchester City's home stadium, the uh, Etihad, and uh, United player Fred uh, had to deal with some racial abuse to the point where he was hit with an object from the stands before a corner kick in the second half. Also, the Brazilian international player was also subject to some racial abuse where uh, he was walking towards and a fan was making some um, monkey gestures. So that fan was kicked out. Uh, he was suspended from his work. There might be some uh, legal implications from some of the racial abuse. Uh, so it's just one of those things where I hate how fans have to be reminded of this. But, you know, being a fan, being able to go to these stadiums is a privilege. Sometimes fans get kicked out for some dumb stuff like James Dolan. But you can't go in and be racially insensitive or run out on the fields or anything like that. Because guess what? If you're hurting the game, then you're a detriment to the game and you should be gone. You can yell at someone that they suck or, you know, you can, you can boo people and you can do stuff. But... Everyone knows where that line is that you, you know, shouldn't talk about people's families like that or shouldn't say some racially charged statements. So I understand, you know, Europe and, you know, places like Italy and stuff like that have some real issues with it. But it's just another time to remind us as fans that, you know, sometimes we just have to be better. We know you paid some money for this seat, but that doesn't mean that you get to be an asshole and one, you know, say stuff about the players that's totally out of line, but two, you know, affect other people that are in the stands. You think some people wanted to see those kind of, you know, stuff being thrown or that stuff being done in the fans, you know, in the stands. You think that sets a good example for other people and whatnot. So I think at the end of the day, um, you know, people just honestly have to be better. So uh, it's like, yeah, you paid for the seat and everything, but like, 
Like Social we convention kinda, doesn't we were, turn off. We were kind of talking about this with Anthony Rendon about how it's just mm-hmm. like it's a job. Like it is yeah. like it is these athletes. It's their job. Like and you know how would you like it if someone came to your place of business where you work yeah. and they were like, well, I paid to get in here so I can just <laughs> come watch you work and say crazy stuff to you all day. I mean, like it's. Never, this this fan never should never be it. allowed back in. Thank no. God he's been like fired from work and should whatever. Re- like he shouldn't probably be arrested. Yeah, yeah. That's hate, it's, it hate stop. speech. It, yeah, yeah, no. Like you just because you're a fan doesn't mean you get suicide, to do whatever you want. Tweeting suicide stuff, all that stuff. It needs a stop. It's a game. Yeah, it's a job. And you Treated see a lot more stuff. nowadays. These people, you know, some of these athletes have some real, some real, you yeah, know, it's mental scary. issues just because of the stuff that they have to deal with and the stuff people think they can you know get away with so sports is about you know you know you cheer and are passionate for your teams because that's your community sports should be about the community and togetherness not yeah yeah hateful speech you can boo when people lose but you know don't take it past there so uh you know an important message and definitely something that we uh don't want to end the show on so we're gonna end the show on a positive Shout shout outs so uh Zach, who you shouting out on? Uh, I'm shouting out Lane Kiffin, the Lane Train, taking oh, yeah. his tacky beige, beige suits from Boca to Oxford, Mississippi. Congrats. Back in, um, hoping he causes some more ruckus in the SEC. Uh, Josh, who you shouting out? I haven't decided, but I'm going <laughs> to shout out um, because I can't go. Um, I couldn't go. I was too busy, but uh, I wanted to give a shout out to Reds Fest um, oh. because, like, Sometimes life is pretty miserable as a Reds fan, but for years, decades, Reds Fest keeps us together every December. So shout out Reds Fest. My shout out is going to go to Brian Wright and that Cincinnati defense. They kept the Bearcats in the game. They have nothing to apologize, nothing to feel bad about. It's not their fault that they didn't get to go to the Cotton Bowl and they're in the Birmingham Bowl. Shout out to them. Keep working, keep grinding, keep getting better and you know what i expect to see a ny6 bowl somewhere in the bear catch near future if they keep this momentum and uh keep fickle on the sidelines they got it they got it they'll get there so thank you guys so much for listening be sure to rate subscribe share respond to the tweets everything in the middle uh 30 rack podcast on twitter 30 rack of sports on facebook For Zach, Josh, and myself, Greg, thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week with another 30 Rack of Sports.